It is another edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. Back to you after a little bank holiday break here. We are back this Sunday Eve or with our coronation special. That's what the C in CSP stands for. Mm, isn't it, boys? The, the P stands for Prince. It's the Coronation Street Podcast. Oh, oh no, there, that must be a thing. There must be six of those already. Surely there is. Uh, all right, guys, we're starting our, our new watch along here on the podcast. This is the episode, first episode of the Coronation Street podcast. So we're going to be go- watching uh, um, the uh, Coronation Streets, but also on our Patreon, we'll be watching the corresponding episode of Nitro as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so and, and we'll be comparing the ratings and uh, uh, doing a deep dive on all of that. But no, not, the, not, not on this show. We'll stick to the usual fun uh-huh. games on this show with uh, your three boys here. Myself, Barry. Hello. Joe is with me. Hello. And also with us is Paul. Oi, oi. Paul looks to be sending a message via an iPad like a granny. Are you, are you, are you, are you texting on an iPad? It is the big type these days. So he has like how to buy food online. Uh, Amazon free. Free Amazon Prime. Call nephew. <laughs> First of all, first of all, (laughs) when you got fingers as fat as these, (laughs) a phone is often less convenient. (laughs) Also, I have my laptop here, which is, I think we can all agree, the most comfortable typing solution. Yes. Mm. But if I was to have to rock and be back. So iPad is just a nice little in between. I can away on it. My phone is charging as well, which is also a thing. Don't be judging me anyway. <laughs> I'm not judging you. It's, just, it's not something you see a youngster like yourself. I, I, I'm not judging you. Let's just go back in time a second there. But uh, typing on an iPad like an old granny, I think, was <laughs> the words which are used. Oh, anyway, listen, listen, come on now. Come on, there. He's he's Paul's got his, his his tablet there because he's he's uh hacking in live to the uh the Ticketmaster website to get the latest Wembley numbers. <laughs> Counting the dots one by one. Counting the dots. He's like, and I, with my with my childish mocking, I've thrown him off. He has to start again. He got lost somewhere at like two thousand thirty-seven thousand one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on. These pink ones are they resale? What's going on? Um, yes, I suppose that was the big news of the week. I mean, it's it's some of the biggest wrestling news in recent history and it's also something that the three of us it, it concerns us very directly uh the aw uh uh, uh wembley uh, uh, arena wembley stadium pardon mm-hmm. uh wembley stadium tickets went on sale this week they had about 17 different like <laughs> uh, ways to get in before friday and then friday was the day uh, and we had various milestones being announced throughout the week it seemed like the the fight code pre-sale thing got them across the 30,000 line. Then the next couple of days, they got up to 50. And then <clears throat> at the end of, uh, I think, yesterday, we're recording this on Sunday, obviously, as we always do. I think Saturday, they were north of 65,000 tickets. Is that correct? I actually don't have the most recent story in front of me. 60,000 is what Tony announced. Totally uh, announced okay. Various various figures out there uh, from WrestleTix, from other people. <laughs> from uh, at Chairshot Pod on Twitter. Yes, yeah, yeah, I was I was doing my best WrestleTix impression. Completely fucked it up, to be honest. I was like, <laughs> it's, it's not as easy. That's why he makes the books. Absolute <laughs> bollocks, honestly. Immediately, but the good thing is, though, everyone retweeted it, so it doesn't really matter. Just say anything. Just say, yeah, they've done seventy two thousand according to yeah. my calculations, and everyone will fucking retweet it because they don't give a shit. So that's, that's the good news. 
Um, yeah, but it was a week of, uh, to be honest, figuring out how many tickets they sold seemed to be the main wrestling story of the week. <laughs> that was 100%, 100%. More, more exciting than any actual wrestling match. Like, this is what fans yeah. really want, are interested in. More exciting than Brawl Out. More exciting than <laughs> yeah. 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 Montreal. Um, <laughs> the Benoit murder-suicide. I mean, that's all seems very run of the mill compared now to oh they've sold another 10,000 tickets yeah yeah but it, i mean it is so it was like watching it watching it tick up though i mean I, I think the significance of it is that it's like literally this is like exactly how high in the history books are they gonna go because they've already yeah. dwarfed any comparable wcw records um if you if you throw out north korea which i think we will um, Rest uh, in piss, Eric Bischoff. Yeah, he had to show back up on Raw just to get a, a dopamine hit this week. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, it looks like the the the, att- the paid attendance is probably going to beat Clash at the Castle if it hasn't already. Although mm-hmm. the gate for that show was was, was uh, well, so far that that gate is quite higher because the tickets were pricier. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is it is. Uh, Ticking, ticking names off its list, uh, pretty, pretty impressively for for like all time wrestling attendances. It's going to be one of one of the biggest. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty spectacular, and this is of course all this is without a, a single. I've I've seen people say they haven't announced any talent. It's like yeah, well they've they've got a poster up with people on it. They've you know they've they've said broadly who's going to be there, mm, right. but no matches, no no meaningful storyline uh, pointers. Uh, and obviously, this is all this is pre CM Punk return being formally announced. You'd have to imagine once he's at, once he's back, and once they and if and when they give a proper match for him, yeah. that may shift a, a, a ticket or two as well. Yeah, when but, the uh, poster yeah. when the poster is just him. Yeah, it's him. It's him standing over London like a big like a kaiju, <laughs> uh, uh, and then and then you know. Uh, Kenny and the Bucks are over, you know, they're over, they're over at Craven Cottage in the distance. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. Punk's got, getting Wembley. But uh, yeah, pretty, pretty spectacular week of business for them. Uh, uh, did we all secure our ticket? Yeah. Ticket secured. Right away. Right away. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, actually, I actually forgot that I didn't, forgot that they were on sale on Tuesday until I saw Barry's tweet. I think either yeah. not the night before or the morning of, I was like, Oh shit! The pre-sales Tuesday. I thought it was Friday. <laughs> yeah, I think because originally they said fifth of May on the poster, and that had thrown me off yeah, this yeah, whole yeah. time. So thank you, Barry, for that little reminder. Otherwise, of course. I missed out. But um, yeah, how was your experience of uh, getting the old tickets? Mine, my so I didn't. So thankfully, someone else got mine. Basically, we um, try to coordinate with people where we sit, and then yeah. the first, the first one, the Tuesday nine a.m. That was the fight TV. Stuff yeah. and that came out very last second. Yeah. Obviously, the the big the big pre-sale numbers that were being reported for all the sign-ups, you know, the fifty thousand sign-ups or whatever. That was the main go to Ticketmaster and put your name down thing. And then, like a couple of days before the the, the pre-sale, people were just saying, "I got an email, a fight. I have a yeah. one-use code." And then I didn't get one, so I was like, "Shit!" I, I was kind of like, it seemed like it was going to be stressful to coordinate with people. So I was like, all right, forget it. I'm just going to buy for, for myself and Bronin. But then I was like, Oh wait, no, I want to get my tickets in this first batch, but I didn't get a code. I was one of the people who didn't get a code. I was like, I've been using this bastard service for almost its entire run. 
um eventually eventually uh, uh what we did was uh, i got a, a friend of mine to bulk buy for myself and brona and himself and his girlfriend i then did eventually get a code super late i'm pretty sure the mm. pre-sale was already underway when i got the code from fight they i think they acknowledged that they were having trouble getting them out, so i gave it to somebody else uh so i didn't i didn't have to buy it seemed like it was moderately stressful for that first one with the fight codes but not too bad it seemed like people you know nine o'clock uh, people were big queue i got kicked out bloody blah my thing didn't work so on but by like 20 past or half past nine a lot of people i knew who were trying got them mm-hmm. it seemed like then so like you know sigh of relief sit back the the main draw of getting them was i don't have to think about them now for the rest of the week um it seemed like then when the previously advertised pre-sale kicked off at 11 it kind of seemed like that was mayhem yeah um and people got that primo Ticketmaster experience they've all come <laughs> to love and, and expect uh, yeah. uh what about what about you what was your experience joe um i mean i got incredibly stressed as i always do buying tickets i'm always they they get me every time they orchestrate this panic like deliberately and it always gets me i always i'm like, <laughs> like i'm not gonna get a ticket i'm not gonna get a ticket <laughs> and so i'm like desperately trying to buy tickets got four four screens open but you can only have one because you've only got one code and all this and i'm oh god it was awful um but in the end did did get the tickets in the in the fight pre-sale um so it was was fine it was it was absolutely fine um and then yeah it did seem crazy after that i think it once everyone logged on at 11 it was just and i to be honest have to admit, I was log- still logging in at eleven o'clock to see how many tickets were left and, and you know what was available. Um, so I was probably part of the part of the problem, not part of the solution. Um, but yeah, it was mayhem. It was mayhem. Um, and a lot of people, I think, a lot of people as well, clearly have never haven't bought tickets to an event in the last twenty years because they're all going, yeah. "Why can't I pick my seat?" And it's like, yeah, brother, yeah. have you bought a ticket to anything other than the cinema? <laughs> since the yeah. invention of the internet because that is not how it works anymore you give that them was, a big suggestion and then they come back what about these and mm-hmm. that was leading to chaos as well because people so people were having the the usual thing of like you're in the queue and then you get to the front of the queue and your fucking browser freaks out or Ticketmaster kicks mm-hmm. out and so they were doing this and then people would get in and they'd put in i want blank ticket and then they'd be given a nosebleed and they'd yeah. go well i don't want that and then when you yeah. clicked, you said you didn't want that you'd go back into the queue yeah and it was just kind of now i can kind of understand that frustration because i, I this is this is one of those events kind of like when, when me and bruno went to full gear like i i, I don't want i don't want a te- I don't want to just be there. I want a, I want a good seat. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I can I can understand the frustration, but um, yeah, this, this has kind of been the way it is for for a while. Mm. I had a very easy experience. I was Ooh. I was up ten minutes before nine in the queue. Uh, I chose my price, went for the not too expensive but not too cheap one seventy five pound option. It gave me a relatively decent uh, couple of seats. I said, all right, I'll have them then, please. And then I got them. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) There was no kicked out of the queue or no. Yeah, Hmm. it was what it was. So we're in the the lower tier, which is what I wanted anyway. I wanted to be more on the side facing the ring and the stage. Hmm. But obviously, they, they opened up specific parts of the arena. So... Lower side, but on the on the right hand side of the map that everybody's been sharing, yeah, kind of tw- towards the corner there. And yeah, I, I had a look on the the Wem- Wembley Stadium website has a kind of your view from this seat mm. option. I was like, oh yeah, that looks pretty good. 
Um, yeah, for me, it's more about being there, but obviously having seats where you can kind of see what's happening yeah, somewhat yeah. will we'll, yeah. we'll do. As Joe said a few a week or two ago, you know, you're 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 going to be using the screens as well, but mm. to have somewhat of a good view would be nice. So, um, yeah, got in, got those tickets, and there was no issue with it. So yeah, we're all we're all locked in, and now and now we're all on. eyes all eyes turn to well, a two things as well. All eyes turn to what's the card going to be. I'm now super interested in that. They've got a fascinating few months in because they've got t- they've got a huge summer. I mean, they've got Wembley. Mm-hmm. Oh, they confirmed all out is the next week as well. So they are doing that, which is crazy. They got Punk coming back. They've got Collision launching. Um, the Punk comeback show is in the United Center again, so that's going to be a big one. They've got Forbidden Door two. Uh, and obviously, well, double or nothing kind of feels like they're writing it off, to be honest. Um, but, you know, uh, that aside, uh, so they have a lot coming on. So so the two questions kind of become, um, uh, you know, what's the card and and how close to the sellout would they get? As as bullish as I am on the whole endeavor, I, I don't think they'll get the actual sellout. I think they'll probably get the old pro wrestling sellout. They'll probably call it mm. one. Mm. But I think you'll be able to get some tickets on the day. I, 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 you know, I think especially with... Um, You'd imagine over the next few weeks and months there'll be giveaways and comps and 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 X Y Z um, and travel packages which have been you know aren't included in the in the what you can buy on Ticketmaster and stuff. So mm. I'd say they're going to get a, a incredible number out of this that they can call a sellout. You know, yeah. So yeah, I think they might sell. They're at sixty. I think they might sell seventy and yeah. then end up with eighty as a yeah total. Yeah. I think that's fair. That's, I think that's be, totally viable. Oh, that'd be amazing. I was watching, I didn't watch Clash at the Castle, but because uh, it was a glorified house show in Wales, who gives a shit? Um, yeah. But I did watch some clips on of it on YouTube this week, and it, it did look phenomenal. The crowd, the lights, yeah. and everything. I can only imagine what Wembley's going to look like if there's 80,000, 75, 80,000 people in there. Ooh, daddy. Cannot wait. August the 27th. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And um, speaking of collision as well, I realized in the week that I'm planning a trip to London the weekend that collision is supposed to be starting. I didn't realize this when I was booking flights and stuff. That's all locked Mm. in now. So I was like, Oh, so I sent out the bat signal to, uh, to Mr. Joe here. I said, Joe, (laughs) I don't want to invite myself because I think that would be a little bit rude. But if there, if there is a spare, a spare seat in the couch going for Saturday, June 17th, uh, if you'd want a little, a little buddy to watch the wrestling with, so that's tentatively penciled in. That's penciled um, in. That'll be exciting, eh? That'll be exciting. One a.m. We're going to do a, a live podcast. No, we're not going to do a live podcast. We're just going to watch. <laughs> uh, we might record some audio during it or something. But yeah, we'll be watching the old collision we'll, live. We'll watch it, watch it live, and that, that the first time ever. Um, yeah. Two of us watching wrestling together. That'd be great. Yeah. And then all three of us watching it to get technically together. I mean, we'll be mm. several hundred meters yes. apart, but we will in the, in the song. <laughs> yeah, they, they they did actually. Uh, AEW did um, start advertising their uh, a, a television event with no name on it for for that Saturday, which is kind of funny. Like a graphic that very specifically didn't wink, say wink. dynamite. Yeah, wink wink. And also very funny. So the elite not on the poster, which is good. But like, <laughs> Uh, everyone else is on there, which is kind of funny. Uh, like John Moxley's on there, like basically everyone. It's 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 they are the only kind of notable exception not on it, which is which is kind of 
uh, kind of interesting. But yeah, that 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 story continues to develop. No no actual punk watch this week. Um, uh, yeah, that I will say before we before we move on to our non wrestling news for the, I just have to make mention of something. Uh, I this morning, um, while I was a little bit hungover, we decided to watch get caught up on all access the AEW show. Um, that I've is like watched, the, I've still only watched the first three episodes of it. Well, there's only been four. This this week's was four. Was it? Or maybe I yeah, yeah, yeah. first two. Uh, they took a week off. Uh, it, right. like two weeks ago. So there's only been four. Um, that is like the worst show on television. It is completely <laughs> unwatchable and awful. Um, it is Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello whining every week that they are trying really hard, but they don't seem to be getting a push. Uh, it's Britt Baker coming off totally unlikable and whiny, um, uh, uh, and, and trying to build herself up as the the centerpiece of the division. There's the people, and this week it was Kenny, who looked like they had absolutely no interest in actually doing the show, but kind of felt obligated to do it. There's a Brit-Kenny conversation that is so funny because she's trying to get him to come and see a, a, you know Adam Cole's latest test to see how he's feeling before he can come back. And it's like Kenny is like half asleep having the conversation. Uh, it is brutal it is i don't think it's doing any of the people on the show anything with, with the exception of adam cole who i think comes off like a nice guy um but yeah and the young book the young book stuff is is the worst stuff on the whole show um because they are continuing to not address the cm punk thing but they're trying to sell this comeback story for for them from last winter and it doesn't it doesn't work at all and they showed the chicago match but they they basically just played it up as oh some cities like us and some cities don't <laughs> That's this is such a waste of time doing this. This is so pointless. And then uh, they they're they're trying to sell this best of seven series as like a real adversity for them because like the plan is to do seven, but you know the crowd decides. Mm. You know if, if if they decide they don't like us, you know we might not get to seven. I'm like this is such bollocks. You are also the EVPs of this company. You're not gonna get like you're not gonna get the plans changed on you. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, all, all access is dreadful. It's absolutely dreadful. It's worse than Total Divas. I got it. I got like a season <laughs> and a half into Total Divas before I was like, all right, I've kind of had my fill of this. This is awful. I mean, this is this is really really bad. And I think you know, people like Brit and Sammy, who I think come off terrible on the show. I, I, I'm not even saying that they are that terrible or annoying. I mean, because it's 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 completely contrived fake reality show bullshit. It's not. This isn't a commentary on them because it's just the usual fake reality quote-unquote reality show stuff they're just fakely reading lines to portray they're basically just doing characters in the mm-hmm. same way they are on the on the wrestling show do you know mm-hmm. what i mean so it's um yeah it's dreadful it is absolutely dreadful so i know we don't usually talk about that show on this but there, there you go um <clears throat> uh segueing into the uh the non-wrestling news here for the week um, I, I I had an event for a few weeks. Um, uh, last week, I, I, first time ever occurrence for me. Me and Bruno went to like a spoken word event oh. um, uh, from a, 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 a I don't know if companies right organization or something called. Mm. I think they're called Shan Iha, which is an Irish term for. I don't know exactly what it means. He explained it at the show. It's basically, where they get like aspiring writers and poets and 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 storytellers from around the country, and they have little kind of uh, just just nights where they go to small venues and people get up and they tell their story and some of them are funny and some of them are sad mm. and some of them are a mix 
and uh, and they they did one in Limerick. Um, they've travelled all over the, the country. They've actually travelled all over Europe at this stage. They've done one in Amsterdam. They've done one in various other places. Uh, it was great. It was it was something really different that I've never done before. It was a little uh, a, a little trip out uh, in, into a, a a universe that's not typically my kind of thing. But um, I thought it was interesting. A lot of people being very honest and telling a, a lot of you know stories from their own their own past that was again some of which were funny some of which were were a little bit um uh, a little bit dour but in a in, a, in an interesting way and um yeah i know it was great it was it was really really great um uh, and uh, yeah that was that was really nice and that was super close to the to, to where we are in, in town as well so i love that um then I, I i had my own um formative experience that perhaps one day i will give a monologue on um, in public, which is, I had my very first driving lesson <gasps> this week um, at the ripe old age of thirty-one. Um, well, I was I was thirty-three when I had my first one, so I, I have you beat by about two. So, that's so shut up, bitch. Um, the guy, the guy did um, uh, ask. He said, "So, have you driven before?" And I said, "No." And I, I don't think he was exp- expecting that <laughs> response. I was like, "He's like, you've you've." sat into the front seat of a car though before i was like like, yeah i i like i i i've like started my girlfriend's car and i've figured out the clutch just about and he was like okay um fine um (laughs) i think driving instructor yeah i mean he he yeah he was i mean he's teaching you to drive shouldn't he yeah how to drive surely that's the point isn't it like i mean it's yeah but it's i mean it is the stereotypical thing though i imagine 90 percent of the students are teenagers and yeah i think the thing in 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 ireland as well is i feel like there's an assumption that you've at least gone out with the mom in the car once or twice and you know the real foundational stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really haven't. I mean, I really, really haven't. Not, really, not only do I not drive, but I've never even really come close to it. It's never, I, you know, Mam doesn't drive, and she didn't have a car, and we've also lived in the middle of the city my entire life, do you know what I mean? So it's never, mm-hmm. ever, ever been an issue um, uh, uh, for me. But anyway, uh, I did it. It was quite intense. I, I you know, I, I was... I don't consider myself a very anxious or nervous person, but it was extremely nerve wracking. I did, I did get the hang of it. Uh, um, uh, it. We did more than I was expecting for the first lesson. Like I, I kind of expected it, it to be: here's all the various buttons, here's what the various things do. We'll go to a quiet industrial estate. You start the car up, and we'll call that a lesson. But it was not that at all. It was five minutes at the school explaining what all the levers and buttons do, and then it was like, all right, start the car and go. Um, uh, and so I very, very much learned on the fly um, um, and drove for about an hour, went on a, went down a busy enough road in Limerick, did a couple of roundabouts, which I was not prepared to do, but I managed to survive and not die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, only conked the car once, which I was pleasantly surprised at. Um, okay, uh, yeah. I had to restart it. Um, I was sweating up a storm. My ha- my hands were slipping off the steering wheel, which in a way was good because the one thing he kept saying was you got to ease up. I, I, I was tensing so fucking hard on, on the steering wheel. And he yeah. was like, you got to loosen up because it's like the feet and the hands were both rock solid, like unmoved. I was like a statue sitting into the yeah. car. Um, but it, it went okay. It went okay. And I, obviously I think the first time will be the hardest. So, uh, tomorrow I have to ring and book another one. The we first will. time is the hardest. As that, as that song goes, but, uh, yeah, I survived it. Um, and so, yeah, hoping to barrel through whatever it is, the 12, you got to do 12 lessons here before you can be signed off to do your test. So yes. I've got about 
12 weeks of that um yeah yeah i'm i uh, a lot of people said once you the first one done the nerves will be gone i'm 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 not looking forward to the second one because it is quite intense because it's it's literally just okay but, well you, you got to get out between the lessons is the point yes yeah which which before before i took the first lesson that was a thing me and um me and uh, Brona were doing. She did take me out in the car and and to help me figure out the very very basics. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll probably have to try and get into the routine of doing that more. You need to well. get out. I'd say uh, half an hour, nearly five times a week at least. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll uh, I'll update accordingly as this uh, as this podcast rolls on. Because I started last June, so I'm almost a year in now. And I went. I had a little go on the motorway, which I'm not supposed to be allowed to do. But you go from that to doing 120 down the motorway. <laughs> it's quite fun. <laughs> um, you do. It, it is like I don't know jogging or whatever. You get quickly good at it. You know, the, there's a, a very sharp. Oh, everything starts clicking in the early days, especially with the the clutch and the indicator and the. the I remember thinking. It's like it's like rubbing your head and patting your stomach. It's like how how can you do all these separate things? But you, you kind of certain elements of it become automatic. You don't. I I've had already. <laughs> maybe I need to go see a doctor about this. I've already had moments where I've just been completely on autopilot, not paying attention to where I'm driving, like coming out of a shopping center for whatever. And then I'm I'm on the dual carriageway, and I'm like, how did I how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't paying attention to where I was driving. I was just doing it. And maybe you're paying attention to the radio, or whatever, but. Good luck with your journey. Anyway, it's uh, thank you it's very a lot, much. A lot of fun. I've I've been there myself very recently. But yeah, that's uh, that's been my my week, my weeks rather. Yeah. Um, two two exciting events in my week. First of all, Michelle and I went to a, a art exhibition on uh, when the fuck was it? Big start of the week. Monday, can't remember. It was Monday night, no, Tuesday night. Um, part of the uh, UCLA Alumni Association, of which Michelle is a part, so that was that was very fancy. We were at the Tate Gallery in London, Ooh, hello. watching some uh, art. It was uh, fantastic. Um, now it's very nice um, canapes as well. Had a little mini chicken burger. I thought that was the best part. That was really nice. So that was a lot of fun. Except I. Um, I wore my shoes that, that don't have my orthopedic insoles in. Uh, and the next day, completely strained my uh, Achilles tendon. Could barely walk. Oof. This is what happens when you uh, get to your late 30s. You you go out one one evening without your, your orthopedic insoles in and basically uh, break your leg um, for the right. next day. Um, so that was right. And then, even more exciting, on Friday, uh, accepted the arrival of my new uh, pressure washer. Baby. ordered that bad boy up um our back garden is in a pretty shocking state to be honest we've not really done much out there because we, we don't go out there a lot the patio was caked it just where you where you can't tell the colors of the stones anymore because they're just completely black mm. uh the lawns are state weeds everywhere crap everywhere i was like no i've got to do something about it we've got to sort this out so i start off i've got the uh the jet wash Posted a little video on the Instagram for the uh, the, the inner circle. Um, that's very satisfying. Oh, it's very very satisfying taking off the the, the mold and the moss off the paving stones with that. And, and so I've, I've probably gone out there and looked at it about 15, 20 times today. Just going, yeah, it's the old patio, ah, the old beach. That was very stones. satisfying to look at. I'd say the old pink stones and the old beige stones. There they are. So that was very nice. I look forward to. 
continuing that work on the garden. So it was uh, very exciting. And yeah, it was very warm this afternoon. So we, uh, we popped out for, for brunch uh, with uh, Townie Mum and uh, yeah, had a nice walk around. So it was nice. And then, of course, a fantastic bank holiday tomorrow. Uh, yes. In, in honor of. Not here, but yeah. uh, for, for us. Uh, so looking forward to that. So good, good long weekend. I had a less enjoyable week, I suppose. Mm. This tooth that I've been having problems with uh, kind of came to a season finale of sorts. Uh-oh. Um. So I, my teeth are generally good. I don't have many cavities mm. right now, though. But this one tooth over the years has been giving me a lot of issues. So it's it's been filled, it's been root canaled, it's been crowned. Mm-hmm. And then the crown come off, and oh. the solution was right. Let's let's get it out of there. So I had a tooth extracted. Uh, when was it? Thursday or Friday? Hmm. This last week. So the, the operation itself is is fine, you know. Um, it's more so the aftermath is is a little bit nasty. So the first day, you basically your your mouth is just full of blood the entire day. Mm. Um, because you basically just have an, an open, like a little goblet almost in your mouth. It's just full of blood at all times. So you have the little bit of gauze in it. You're switching out. And now it's starting to close over, but the first few days were, were a bit were a bit of a mess. You wake up in the middle of the night, a little bit sore, and just uh, blood around your mouth, basically. Constantly, so. Yeah. Not nice, but that's it's fine. It's 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 not too painful. Um, I'm just waiting for it to heal over. I still can't eat on that side of the mouth or anything, but otherwise okay. Well, that's there's nothing worse than tooth stuff. Mm. Um, well, hopefully, no more fallout. Yeah, well, it didn't fall. It didn't fall out. They they wow. cracked it open and wow. got the pliers out of basically. Oh dear! Oh dear! The old, yeah. the old rusty. Oh, I just used those to change the tires on my car. It's all right. They're grand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, because, because the top of the tooth had come off already because it was crowned, there wasn't much left of it. It was just the basically what was under the gum. So I think they just cracked the the roots into separate two separate parts and out they came. Yeah, it was fine. Alrighty. Uh, we will segue into uh, nobody watched nobody watched backlash. You know, I actually when I saw all the clips of, of like how hot the crowd were, I actually did want to watch some of it. I haven't I haven't gotten around to watch it. Nobody watched any of backlash. I did. Oh, you I did. Ha- I have an interesting it. review section. Oh, okay. We'll get to that later. Then that's yeah. fine. That's fine. We'll talk about that later. Uh, before that, though, before we get into um, uh, the wrestling reviews for this week, why don't we get into the next phase of pop it, pull it, twist it. Brackets. Mm. Yes, we are back with our tournament feature, which is uh, running down the best ever gimmick matches. So we're going to crown the best one ever. Um, we did the the first round, which had thirty two different uh, stipulations in it. And we've, yes. narrowed, we've narrowed it down to sixteen, so we're going to get through uh, each of those eight matchups today. So we've already discussed each stipulation. A little bit, so we're not go through them at length. We're going to talk more about the merits of each. Yeah, yes, the, the two, the two in each matchup. So, without further ado, 
The first first matchup of round two is the Elimination Chamber <laughs> versus the Barbed Wire Explosion Match. Two spectacular, visually stunning mm. yes. gimmick matches. And f- I, I like that we had a week off because it feels like we're coming back to this somewhat fresher. Fresh, mm. yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I've just had these conversations, so I can kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it a little bit more clearly. Um, yeah, I still feel like uh, Elimination Chambers kind of morphed together for me. Um, mm. The the first one, obviously, 2002 Survivor Series, very, very memorable. Still to this day, my favorite one. Um, the Santino one, although mm. that and the Royal Rumble and the Kofi Kingston. I, I almost feel like the Santino stuff is 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 almost almost memorable for the wrong reasons because it was it was such a novelty that the joke guy can win the title. Yeah, yeah. That 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 doesn't work very often. Um, the two thousand and three, the follow up to the original one, you had the, the Goldberg thing with the sledgehammer and all that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Then you had the 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 obviously very memorable Edge cash in, but after a not particularly good elimination chamber. Um, so even though Elimination Chamber has a lot more quantity in terms of they do so many of them, quality-wise, I, I mean, they're all fine, but, you know, mm. a lot of them, they do the exact same spots. There's there's not a lot of creativity to it and not a lot of originality to it. They go through the plexiglass. Mm. They do the Spider-Man thing on the side, uh, slam on the outside, blah, blah, blah. Whereas I, I feel like, personally, I've seen a lot more memorable barbed wire matches than I have elimination chambers. At least mm-hmm. I stick in my mind very vividly. So I'm tending and and even though I generally don't love a lot of violence, I'm tending to lean towards barbed wire on this one. Mm. I th- I think yeah. I sorry, sorry, off to you. Okay, yeah. I, I was just gonna say that I, I kind of just feel the inverse. I I, I think mm-hmm. I I I pfft. I mean, I can't really... I appreciate the novelty of the barbed wire ones, but I can't really think of too many I've seriously properly enjoyed. Um, you know, and I'm someone who does like the the, the more violent stuff, but, but you know... <laughs> We're exact opposites. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like Elimination Chamber has a, a little bit of an edge because I've just seen more of them. And yeah, like like we've we said this a lot over the course of this feature, so the WWE factor here is that a lot of these have kind of been overdone and nullified a little bit but i still think the peaks are incredibly high and and fairly frequent as well a lot of the elimination chamber matches are really good i i i i, I would pick elimination chamber for this one okay down to me to decide i kind of agree with paul that elimination chamber although it's sold as this kind of oh the most dangerous match and violent and bl- it, most of the time it's quite you know, like anodyne it's just a yeah it could be any six-man tag, you know what I mean? Okay, it's not even as bad as a cage match. Whereas, although I agree, the barbed wire explosion match, you know, I can't think of, I can't reel off half a dozen the great ones that I loved. I feel at least it has a bit more excitement or a bit more danger to it. Like if someone announced one of those matches, it would catch my attention. Whereas on Elimination Chamber, eh, it's going to be six. You know, one one main event or in a bunch of like kind of upper mid carders. Yeah. I think I think one thing that's really hurt the chamber as well is their reluctance to do blood. Mm, yeah. Because um, 
because with the chains, I mean, I know they do in, in cage matches and Hell in Cells, the old rake the forehead against the cage. With the chains, I always thought that was a really cool visual when they would be mm. bloodied up. And so for 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 those kind of matches where it's about the brutality and the the, de- the de- devil's structure, whatever they called it, you know, the real viciousness of it. Yeah, it, it, it seems more anodyne because, number one, they do it in the same spots all the time. And number two, there's you rarely see any visual markings on the wrestlers. Like, they don't mm-hmm. have the marks of the chains on them. or They just look, yeah, like they've been through a, nor- a normal a normal match. So, okay. so but I th- think we are two for one in favor of the barbed wire okay. explosion match that goes through. So, Elimination Chamber is ironically eliminated itself. Um, the next matchup, uh, the on-location match, so that's your kind of cinematic match or a boiler and brawl or a match filmed in a certain location. Bad week for that to be discussed, by the way. Uh, versus the dog collar match. Mm. I think I think we very gave the on-location... kind of matches. Yeah, very, very different. I think we were very fair... Mm-hmm. Um, on the on location one because we've obviously taken a shit on loads of them over the last three years, specifically with all the post COVID stuff. But we 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 gave it its due. I think we talked about how you know some boiler room brawls really cool and and yeah. there has been a lot of good ones. But I think there's been a lot of dreck. And I, I mean, I I think the dog collar that that's quintessential wrestling, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. that's 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 everything you love about wrestling. It's 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 interesting to me that that's been one of the the classic things AEW has brought back mm-hmm. and not just a match where two guys are tied together but really making it those visceral blood feud payoffs you know mm-hmm. just um, everything that's right about that stipulation they've centered around uh, I think that's an easy pick for me I, I, I would say that is, is is the pick here for me yeah I do agree that the dog collar match feels like a wrestling match it's not it's not it's not too gimmicky it's not the grab the thing and win kind of match on location thinking about it now it hasn't really lived up to i think what it could be uh this week being a good example but so many others it's like yeah okay it's a wrestling match in a location but it's just most of the time an excuse to have like bad pacing and just and silly effects and other kind of shenanigans that you don't really add much so i think although there haven't been too many great ones. I would say the dog collar match for me uh, would be also my pick. Paul? Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, I do like a lot of cinematic matches, uh, but similarly, there's been a lot of stinkers and without have want to have recency bias on it. Mm. Certainly Rampage wasn't forcing my hand in that direction to go, oh, we've had another fucking banger of a cinematic match. Um, whereas dog collar, like, like I, I said before, I think the last, what, four, four that a, how many of a W or three, three or four that a W have done, including ring of honor. I think four, I'm including ring of honor in that. Yeah. And they've, they've pretty much like all been bangers. So I, I got to go with the consistent, uh, option here. Cool. Dog collar match advances. Uh, next up the, Battle Royal slash Royal Rumble slash Casino Royale over the top rope elimination match, essentially, versus the Scramble match. Hmm. 
wonder what we're going to pick here. <laughs> well, just to refresh your memory, the scramble match was, of course, uh, I think it lasted about one pay-per-view, Unforgiven 2006 or whatever it was. It was uh, kind of a winner stays on style match. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, like the, time-limited winner stays on sort of match. The Brian Kendrick meme match. That's that's the shorthand that yeah. everyone yeah. will remember. You know. uh, versus I mean, yeah. The, yeah, the Battle Royal, Royal Rumble. One of yeah, the most exciting, iconic matches in wrestling. Uh, can I put us all down for Royal Rumble Battle Royal? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. We'll uh, move quickly on to the the fourth one: War Games match versus the uh, casket match. And included in that is also hmm. basically any match where you have to trap someone inside something. So a dumpster, an ambulance, a coffin. Anything else you can come up with? Um, so, what are we thinking there, lads? Um, I don't know. Ooh. I'm gonna let you guys go first. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about it. I think I went first last time, Joe. What do you, what do you think on this one? Well, the War Games is my favorite stipulation ever, and despite its faults, I would still put it ahead of most other stipulations. So, I think I'll, I'll, I'm leaning towards War Games. On the casket match, I do, I do think most of those a lot of those matches can be pretty good. Actually, I know we mm. talked a lot about like the, the old, going back to like the Undertaker, yeah. Kane casket one. Some of those that weren't particularly good, I, but I think most of them actually stick in my memory as being pretty good. Especially the dumpster matches, uh, Darby Allen's coffin matches have been really really good, uh, and and even the Undertaker ones that stick in my memory are actually kind of better than better than most. Um, so I do actually really like the the casket slash dumpster slash ambulance, but I think just personal preference, I would go for war games. That yeah, I mean, I think I agree more or less with that. War games just has a feel of being more important as well to me. Yeah, yeah, like kind of like what I was saying about dog collar. If you talk about the the something that feels quintessentially wrestling mm. for all its failings. And, you know, we've, we've talked about how even the goodish modern ones with AEW kind of, they leave you wanting a little more, but yeah, I think, I think of the war games as like just a quintessential good wrestling thing. And I think casket or trap a person in an ambulance match that feels like modern hack shite that wrestling <laughs> does more even though some of them can be Vince really so much yeah it seems like yeah exactly and and that like it's cool that many years later non-russo promotions can do that stuff and try and make it better mm. but it still is just you know you know stuff that's not about pinning or making the other guy tap out tends to you know get a bit of an eye roll yeah absolutely uh, so that's three, four war games. So war games advances yeah. to the next round. I just like the visual of the big, huge cage as well. Two rings. Oh yeah. When yeah. It, when do you when do you ever get two rings? You never get it. It's it's special. It's special. So. It's very special. Um. So moving on to the next match, the tables match, where you have to put your opponent through a table or three out of five tables or a certain number of tables to win the match, versus the cage match. So this is your classic kind of either escape the cage or a cage without a roof, that kind of, that type of cage. So Helen Cell was already uh, eliminated. So that's not part of this. So cage, your classic kind of cage match. Hmm. And probably, I mean, as, as wrestling gimmicks go, 
it's got to be one of the oldest, one of the kind mm-hmm. of most famous, other than like a hardcore kind of street fight or a, a no DQ match. Um, obviously, infinitely more cage matches than tables matches. Uh, when I think of tables matches, I think of Royal Rumble 2000. I think of uh, Sheamus. Was it Sheamus John won in his first world title? That was the tables match. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. um, was <laughs> interesting. And I think of there was a one in WCW with Shane Douglas where oh, he, God, yeah. st- he stacked up, I think it was like three tables in a row or something. And he, he, he was supposed to drop the guy through all three tables to win. Uh, right. But he only he only broke the first one, and the other two just kind of tipped over, and they just rung the bell anyway. So yeah, there we go. He's won tables match over. Um, so yeah, tables match feels like a very much an attitude era kind of when people were really horny for tables. I mean, to, <laughs> this, to this day, they still chant "We want tables." I never really understand that. I mean, I, no, I think they're overrated. I think they're how many. Overrated. How many? Who? When was the last table spot you really enjoyed? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd I'd be there chanting, "We want a screwdriver in the head, please." <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the the perhaps the perfect sum summary of where we're at with tables is the last one I really liked was Vikingo, but I've seen it four times in the last month. Yeah, yeah, it's um, every match. Yeah, I was kind of glad they they've teased it and didn't do it on Rampage this week. Um, yeah, I mean. Cage matches are another one of those weird ones where they've been around so long now that that I wouldn't say there's an over, I have an overwhelming positive or negative sense about them because there's been so many. It's like it's become WWE, especially it's become their go to. We want to do a, a gimmick match on TV, but we don't want to burn a special one, so we'll just do a cage. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, there's still been loads old and modern times. There's been loads of good ones. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think a tables match can compete. Even though, I, but I think I think there's been some cool ones. Those almost feel like the exceptions. Do you know what I mean? Like your your peak Hardys, Dudleys, Royal Rumble match. You know what I mean? That those those are great, but they do feel like exceptions. Um, most it's, of them are. It's funny that Joe said the you know, attitude error, but like that wasn't that the first proper tables match they did in WWE. Is my memory wrong on that? It was the first tag team one. But I don't um, remember. I don't remember many singles tables matches yeah. prior to that match either. I like did, t- I tables don't. rules where you win by throwing your opponent through a table. I don't remember. I'm actually going to look this up right now. First. Very many in WWE prior to that. I think it was Maybe that, I'm wrong. Yeah. that Royal Rumble one. That was it. I think. I don't. I don't think there was one before. I know it was tag team tag team tables, but I don't remember many. I tables don't think matches. there was a singles one before that. Um, get on the old uh, cage match dot. Yeah, all this stuff is becoming oh, like first history of tables and wrestling. First table break. I, I, I asked Google used to be good. Why? Like, <laughs> but sure, there's a Wikipedia like tables matches in WWE or something. It used okay, to hang on. Yeah, be list of tables matches in WWE. Okay. Um, we can go. We can keep going while I look at this here. Okay. Okay. I just searched table in. No, wait, this isn't going to work. I've searched table in a uh, cage match, but it doesn't find it. All right, I mean, whether it is or whether it isn't. Um, no, we must know, Paul. This is <laughs> No, I... Well, for me, it's the cage match. I think, it although it's completely... Match. It's overplayed, and I think WWE just completely fucked up the psychology of it in the... 80s because Hogan didn't want a job so they, they just said oh okay you have to escape the cage instead of the cage confining you which is completely backwards yes um, but I, in terms of cage matches if it's a proper cage match 
I actually think that can be incredibly effective. But I do think it's, again, the problem is they don't apply it properly. It's always just there so that someone can do a rock climb into the cage or get through the door or do like make it the feud ending. No one can get in proper cage match. That's what we want to see. Yeah. What I want to see. Yeah. They kind of fucked a little bit by so often contradicting the point of the match. Mm. And often in feuds, it'll be built up that way. Sorry, Ray. It'll be built up that way. We're going to have the cage match to keep you. And then they'll still do the interference. And it's like, well, Oh, that's a, yeah, a WWE thing in particular, just the going out of their way to nullify their own steps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, looking here on Wikipedia, the, the tag team table match, that is the first match you won by putting people through tables in, in a WWE mm. context. And probably ever, probably ever. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a one before that. Yeah. Okay, cage match advances to the next round. The next match is the... Ooh, this is a doozy. The bra, bra and panties slash evening gown slash tuxedo match. Ooh, baby. Versus the Iron Man match. So um, <laughs> two ends of the wrestling spectrum there. One <laughs> where you must strip your opponent's clothes off in a titillating display of uh, yeah. your inner guilty pleasures uh, versus the 60-minute... Uh, Slog. <laughs> the slog, <laughs> the sixty-minute oh, slog. slog out how much. about if you combined the two, and it was how many layers you could strip off in sixty minutes? Oh, baby! So oh, they both you, you they come in like, like they come in looking like Joey Tribbiani in that one episode <laughs> where he puts on all of Chandler's clothes, and you just have to like how many layers can you strip off in sixty minutes? It's, I'm just putting it out there. So, what do we make? Is there any is there any merit to be had in the the stripping match? Well, Paul tried to make a play for it last time, if I recall correctly. Um, uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow him to 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 try that again. It has to be the Iron Man. Oh, baby, do you want a lovely pair of tits or two lads <laughs> going out for an hour? <laughs> lovely. Well, if they are lovely, I mean, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote again. The, the the precedent of case Patterson versus Briscoe being one of the funniest things I've ever watched. Yeah, but most people consider it one of the uh, worst matches ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, people are wrong, Barry. They kind of all be right. Um, I will say, Iron Man. I have two really good Iron Man match memories, which are obviously the recent one. Yeah, and Rock Triple H. Rock Triple H is the quintessential Iron Man match. That was that match was done perfectly, except when Undertaker came out and they fucked the clock up at the end. Apart from that, yeah, perfect from start to finish. Lo- love that match. One of my favorite matches. Yeah. yeah. Mm, are there any brown panties matches that are my favorite matches? Mm. 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 Trish mm. Trish mm. Do they have one? <laughs> they had a tag team uh, evening gown match? Wasn't that? I think that was um, Invasion, wasn't it? I might be. Oh yeah, invasion. Yeah, it was- wait, 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 wait. Who's the, who's the real pervert now? Joe and his little memory of where these <laughs> matches were. It's one I of the most have- memorable pay per views of all time, sir. I might have dreamt Mem- that, but anyway, memorably, memorably bad pay per views. Um, uh, invasion. Oh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be the Iron Man match. Okay, I, I'll it's concede on. I'll concede on this one and go Iron Man. But um, two people of any gender taking their clothes off, I'm I'm all right with. To be honest, 
Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, so the Iron Man match advances. So the penultimate uh, matchup is the Texas Death Match slash Last Man Standing Match. So essentially, uh, you have to win by a ten count. It's kind of the rule. I know there's some variation on the Texas Death Match, but essentially involves a ten count to beat your opponent uh, versus the Ultimate. X match. Ooh. So this is two ropes above the ring in an X uh, pattern, and you have to climb hand over hand to the middle yeah. of the ring, retrieve a belt, and if you get the belt, you win the uh, grand prize. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go straight away Ultimate X for me. Um, as a big TNA fan of the 2004 to 2007 era, let's say. Hmm. Some of those matches were so fucking good. You're talking about cream of the crop with in their prime AJ Styles, Petey Williams, Chris Sabin, Christopher Daniels. Uh, And those matches before it became, I mean, it was always a stunt show, but within those, the context of those matches, the stunts made sense and worked. It wasn't just Chris Daniels landing on his head for the sake of an oh my God moment. I always think of AJ Styles. You've, we've all seen the the clip, I, I suppose, climbing across the rope, getting drop kicked, and doing a full a full flip off the drop kick into the ring. Um, really, really have great memories of those those early Ultimate X matches. Once the X Vision became um, Davari and uh, and 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 that, obviously, it, it was lessened a lot by the real peak performers kind of moving out of that. But um, mm. yeah. I, I adore some of those early Ultimate X matches for sure. Uh, I mean, I never really liked TNA, so <laughs> I, have, I have no affection for the Ultimate X match. And to me, it always just screamed kind of even more gimmicky ladder match. That's that's just I know that's not fair. I'm not saying that's a fair, but that was just my from a distance. That was my kind of Joe getting um, stiff assessment yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I and I'm, I will say I'm probably wrong. I'm sure there are some very good yeah. ones. Ill-educated opinion. Ooh, okay. <laughs> He's shooting, Ooh. brother. He's shooting, yeah. brother. Ooh. No, because you know what the advantage... <laughs> the thing with the Ultimate X that I, I consider better than ladder matches is you don't have the thing where they they suddenly real slowly That's start true. climbing. Yeah. It's a little bit more... Okay, it's a little bit more gladiators. It's a little bit more... What do you call it? Unrealistic, I guess. Mm. But actually, in the context of the match, it, it kind of works in my mind, better than a ladder. You don't, have, you don't have the constant hodgepodge setting up. They're putting a ladder between the ladder and like, yeah. what the fuck would they do that? It's just they climb and they try and get the belt at the top. And the, just the the, the caveat, caveat of it being, it's the most athletic wrestlers doing the craziest, most athletic spots during that match. Mm. Uh, um. I... The peaks are very high, but I feel like those glory years that Paul described, I mean, they're great. They're doing a lot of heavy lifting for the entire rest of the history of this match. And ah, Texas Death is way better than Ultimate X. It's way better. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about real nails into people's eyes. Terry Fuck! <laughs> Terry Fuck ain't climbing no X. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Oh yeah, Terry Funk. I I, I don't Moxley. I don't dislike it as much as as Joe, but it's yeah. I mean, Texas Death is better. Okay, fair enough. So Texas Death that's a tough one. I, I, you know, these are these are getting tougher as we go on. But I think yeah, Texas Death advances. And the final match 
the street fight. This is, well, this is going to be a tough one. The street fight slash hardcore slash lights out match slash kind of whatever you want to call that. Essentially no DQ, no count out match versus the ladder match. Two of them, the most uh, prolific and iconic stipulations in wrestling history. Um, ladder matches, of course, including TLC, Money in the Bank, uh, Casino Royale, Giant Chip slash Sonic Gold <laughs> Ring thing. Not quite as iconic, but mm. um, versus the Street Fight. Now, I will say ladder matches. I've said many times over the years, I've got a bit sick of them because they've just been so overdone and the same kind of con- convoluted spots and. 15 ladders and all oh, mousetrap kind of thing. Yeah. I, I'm not, I still think the ladder match has the potential to be absolutely brilliant, but I do think it's kind of one of those that's just, it's like a rom com. They just, there's, you, there's been so many, like it's easy to just go for the cliches and kind of do it poorly. Whereas I feel the street fight, at least you're going to get a bit of violence, you're going to get a bit of brawling in the crowd. So I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm finding it. Kind of hard to pick here. What do you guys make? I think the advantage of Street Fight is you can do ladder spots in it and not have it be a a convoluted ladder mess. I think the problem with ladder matches is too many ladders. I've always liked the idea of a ladder match being like a no mercy mm. where you've you've one ladder. And be as creative with that as you can. In, in the sense, limitation yeah. breeding creativity. The fact that a ladder match will often include like 10 different ladders and always nowadays has to have eight people in it. Yeah. Um, really numbs me to, to the idea of it. Um, even though they can be very fun. We had the one very recently on the, on the ring of honor preview was, was good. Yeah. But it's like, it's like a McDonald's meal, you know, it, mm. <laughs> you kinda, it goes out of your mind pretty quickly. Um, Whereas a street fight, you can have a really good street fight that has a ladder spot in it, and and that can enhance that without it it ever being as convoluted as it is in an actual modern ladder match. So I'll go. I'll go for a street fight. Okay, Barry, I'm going to go street fight as well. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 tough. Are we punishing ladder a bit too much for for just? how overdone it is mm. maybe i lo- i did love ladder matches they used to be some of my favorite things in wrestling but they haven't endured the way again street fight one of the oldest match types um and i still get excited for one of them looking forward to julia hart and anna jay i'm looking forward yeah. to them beating each other silly whereas if they were having a ladder match i would not be looking forward <laughs> to it so there's a, there's a good there's a good litmus test yeah yeah definitely agree okay well that concludes the second round of the tournament so we have eight stipulations left. And next week we will uh, see those off. In fact, I think we'll just finish the whole thing next week. So we'll have seven seven matchups left. So we will, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll finish it after. Yeah, we will declare the best stipulation match ever next week. Tune in. There's a preview for you. We're booking ahead here. We're actually uh, teasing them. Bit better than Tony Khan has done for double or nothing. I would suggest. Yeah, booked more, booked more stuff. Alrighty, that is the latest edition of Bracket. That'll be back uh, very, very, very soon. 
I want to actually, rather than Dynamite and Rampage, which which do not inspire much um, excitement in me right now, I want to hear Paul's backlash takes. What? What? How much did you watch, and what did you make of it? Two matches. Okay. What? Which were? I gonna? Can I guess the Bad Buddy match and the Cody match? Correct. Oh, I, that, those are the two I want to watch anyway. So I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to hear. Although I heard Bianca and EO was also very, very good. So I'm, I'm I, heard, I heard the same. Go on anyway. Uh, well, I watched Cody Brock first because I heard that that had a, a tough time following up the bunny match. Mm. Um, it was, it was. Uh, I would say it was a hair above your typical Brock match. Okay. Um. Also, interestingly, they did Brock did that thing where he he's got an uncanny ability to hard way himself. You know, on a whim. There's, there's never any, will it work? Will it bruise? It always works for him. I don't know if he's got just no, I don't know, skin thin as just like crepe paper or something, but he went into that exposed turnbuckle and the blood was flowing immediately. But interestingly, they didn't do the uh, the demon Finn Balor Hell in a Cell thing of, we know Cody Rhodes is going for his revenge here, but we got to stop the match for 10 minutes while we attend to Brock Lesnar. They just let it, let it flow. Which is which is weird. Obviously, they got a special directive for uh, mm. letting Brock do his thing. Um, the match that was fine. I mean, I think they went in a direction with the finish that I wouldn't, which is that Cody Rhodes yeah. won with the, with the 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 Moxley Hangman beat him on a, a technical roll up pin type deal, which isn't you know I would have Cody get his revenge and, and like. Beat him clean. Like, why are we still protecting Brock Lesnar of all people? We're like, ten years deep on the Brock run. Like, yeah, and yeah, Brock beat the shit out of him on that raw. Like, he fucking beat the shit out of him. Cody should have beat the shit out of him back. Yeah, I saw. I saw the finish, and I was like, oh god, that's yeah. And Cody hit him with the, the crossroads right away as fast as humanly possible. Jesus. Yeah. I would have had Cody look look stronger coming out of it than than getting a flash pin off of Kimura. Now I've seen some people be like, "Well, Cody, Cody was in so much pain, and he he sacrificed the pain for getting the pinfall." It's like, well, look, he was in a Kimura. He was going to get he, in the context of the match. He was going to get tapped out or or injured. Um, that's yeah, get, tricking and and getting a fluke pin to me doesn't scream. This is the guy. This is the the valiant uh, revenger getting his his payback on Brock for the attack. Yeah, he fluked a win and then and then and then ran away. <laughs> not 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 the way I would have done it. The running um, was the best bit. Yeah. yeah he, I mean Brock w- would have been well within his rights to give him the old uh, Triple H Charlotte. <laughs> you got me, brother. You got oh. me, kid. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean the match was otherwise okay. Brock takes a, a hell of a crossroads. Cody takes a great German suplex as well. Um yeah, it, it 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 was good. I mean, it was it was otherwise more or less more or less unremarkable, kind of your your typical Brock template. But yeah, I mean, Cody got a good one out of him. And then we go to the main event, which wasn't the main event, but in my mind it was Bad Bunny against Damian Priest. Um, I also saw Bad Bunny's little uh, SmackDown run in. Do you guys oh, see that? Oh yeah. Where he came out with, with WWF logos on his. That was, that's how you know a guy's a real star. He's like, well, I ain't taking this off, brother. 
You right. can fucking blur it on the Twitter clip, which they did do. They they put a little, they did, a little blurry on it, like he had a naked lady on his shirt or something. Oh, yeah. it was great. Well, he obviously showed up backstage with it and was showing Triple H. Look at this fucking cool-ass jacket. I'm 100% wearing this tonight. And Triple H was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, brother, go for it. Oh, I mean, it was, a, it was a weekend of great pops uh, across these two shows, SmackDown and Backlash. Yes. But, but Bad Bunny, because like, so, I guess since it would have been his first time in front of that crowd, him doing the run-in on SmackDown, it was basically the same amount of noise as my... But God... That's Jesus Christ's music. Jesus Christ is back and he's here at SmackDown. I mean, it was fucking insane. It was so insane. And and the one at, at, at Backlash was almost right there with it. Uh, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And it looked like they had an uh, a, like all-time great crowd for, for, for the show. Certainly, certainly did. So so that, that pop went bad. But, and by the way, if all these wrestlers, WWE have been... In, in the star making business for 100 years, you know, we got Cody, we got Cena, Reigns, Brock. When Bad Bunny came out on SmackDown with his WWF logo jacket, kind of pulled down around his arms, kendo stick in hand, I was honestly like, put the belt on this lad. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he's so cool. Lad, and I don't care about his music. I don't like his music, frankly. I was like, this lad is so cool. He looks like the biggest star in the world, which he is. Um, just make this guy your champion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give him the Brock push. He came out. He came out. Looked like a million bucks. Anyway, then they had the match on the pape, and same thing happened. Bad Bunny's music. I guess one of his songs starts playing. Crowd are going fucking mental. Um, and he comes out with the weapons and that, and then has a, a, a great match with with Damien Priest. A, again, really top level. You know, you, you talk about celebrity performances. Really, really tip top. He, he's excellent at it. Um, with perfect, perfect crowd pleasing, like like you know when Star Wars does, there's uh, Ponda Babu from like episode four, <laughs> perfectly oh, yeah. done fan service. Oh, yeah. Ponda Babu is is the the not that he doesn't like you guy, but the other guy in that scene, the other one, the other yeah. face, Ponda Babu and uh, Doctor Ezeban. That's that's their names, and. <laughs> WWE did a similar a similar uh, fan service here, where you had just the most perfectly judged run-ins during the match. Some might say the match was overbooked. I thought it was it was perfectly done for the audience for that crowd. Yeah, that was that was in attendance. So they're having this great match, um, brawling around the arena. Bad Bunny takes the big bump. You know when they do the 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 Shane McMahon Miz, not quite that album. That kind of bump over over. They have a little set in the crowd. And they'll do a bump through like tables and stuff. Bad Bunny takes that. Priest is beating up on him. Uh, it's a street fight, so there's no rules. Judgment Day come out at one point. They're they're laying laying the the beat down on on Bad Bunny. Ray Mysterio comes out. Oh God, he's got the LWO shirt on, which is fucking great great marketing, perfectly timed by WWE to coincide. Yeah, with I, mean, I I I thought it was stupid that they brought that back. But listen, oh, they probably sold a lot of them. <laughs> they probably sold a fucking lot of them. I would say. So what do yeah. I know? Um. So Ray Mysterio comes out, and he's got he's got the gimmick on, and. They start beating him down. You're like, oh, goddamn. Uh, we don't quite get I Spit in the Face, but we get the music, and Carlito comes out now on any other show. People will be saying, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but he came out. He, he, to, to steal a phrase from, uh, from a very good wrestler, uh, 
It was like pretending it was Austin coming out. It was like pretending it was The Rock coming out. It was like pretending it was Hogan before he was a racist coming out. <laughs> That's the kind of pop that Carlito got on this show. Yeah, if, if Bad Bunny on, on SmackDown was... By God, that's Jesus's music. Carlito's pop was like if at Wembley it was like, By God, that's Princess Diana's music. She's back. Oh, she's walking. She's bad, like a bad motherfucker. You know, he came out and maybe got a bigger pop than either of the Bad Bunny pops. It was so funny. Just like Paul Birchall right coming out at All In and getting a fucking <laughs> pop. Fucking Hayden, Hayden Ransom. I think Carlito's probably. I think so obviously the, the the Puerto Rican correct uh, connection is is the reason for the big pop. But I also of think, course. but I also think there's probably fans who are like not much, but like slightly younger than us probably have it because he was like a mainstay of like that era of, yeah. post- but attitude era WWE. So I think people actually do really like Carlito, and but especially and, in Puerto Rico where he's been a presence ever since. Of course, yeah. I mean that's the main thing. But I think I think I think even non uh, Puerto Rican fans actually do have an attachment to him. Yeah, so he came out looking better than he's ever looked in his during his main run. Yeah, he with w- WWC in, in in Puerto Rico, he's he's obviously a, a huge star there. Uh, not um, to be outdone by an even bigger pop for Savio Vegas. Uh, yeah. appearance. A man who hasn't been on WWF television, WWE television in 25 years. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're just red hot off his MLW run, to be honest. You know, they were like, so- oh, good guy. <laughs> um, so Savio Vega comes out. He's got the LWO shirt on. Judgment Day are laughing. Who's this fucking fat old prick? <laughs> and then out come the rest of the L- LWO, right? They get a pop like it's the NWO in 96 coming out. Uh, they lay the beat down. The crowd are going mental, jumping up and down. Eventually, that schmoz disappears, makes way to the back. You get the finish. You get to finish them in the ring. Bunny, Bunny hits him with the old special, the old destroyer. Gets to one, two, three. Uh, I will say, a little bit long, 25 minutes this match went um, for the out-celebrity gimmick. I would have probably done between 15 and 20. I think that would have been long enough. I'd say it was a little bit long in the tooth. But the last, you know, eight, nine minutes were, were an absolute riot. Uh, and, in, in you know, absolutely thanks to the crowd who were so into everything they did. Um. And good on them for getting the, the the Puerto Rico stars for the run the run ins. Your your Vega and your oh your, yeah your Carlito because yeah. they absolutely worked. They were they were dead yeah. on those. So that's what I watched, and it was good. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll check those out. I'm going to check those two out. Um, yeah. So just next year, new goal: AEW moved to England, WWE moved to Puerto Rico, and and yeah. and the industry will be will be the better for it. Um, one one quick bit of WWE news, I suppose, before um before we we get to the AEW section, they did they did announce like the the participants in this world title tournament, and I was kind of looking at it, and I was kind of like, you know if 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 their television was in any way decent, this would actually be like a pretty good uh, uh lineup for a title tournament, but I I still have no real interest in watching it. Rollins Theory. AJ, Lashley, Balor, Mysterio, Edge, Damian Priest, The Miz, Sheamus, Nakamura, and Cody Rhodes, which is uh, an all right lineup. Um, but uh, unless they get rave reviews, I, I don't see myself checking out um, those matches. Um, all right, let's jump into uh, AEW here. I, I, I thought this week, kind of like last week, was another kind of like less like annoying episode of Dynamite, but I still didn't really 
Didn't really love it. Um, we kicked off with the Roderick Strong debut, eight-man tag, teaming with Bandito, Adam Cole, and Orange Cassidy um, uh, against the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, the uh, uh, the finish was uh, um, uh, Cassidy pinning Cool Hand Ange, and then uh, Jericho uh, Cole chased Jericho all up the back, beat him all over the place, attacked him at the commentary desk, and then Britt slapped Jericho backstage. Um, so yeah, there you go. What you make of that opener? Yeah, I mean, I would generally agree with the the, the feedback on the the overall show. I thought the opener was, was okay. I like the pairing of Bandito with the the best friends group. Yeah. Um, and Roderick Strong. I'm a big Roderick Strong guy, so it was nice to see him back as well. Although I don't know that this was his the big blowout of his like return. You know, it wasn't it wasn't exactly a, show, a showcase for him. But it was okay. Um, we got like. Backstage segment where um, uh, uh, Adam Cole got escorted out of the arena. I was like, since when is jumping an MF backstage at Dynamite uh, an arrestable offense? Like, how is that? <laughs> like, how is that something a guy gets kicked out? It happens like uh, six well, times well, a show. Well, Jericho's got some special pull with management. Oh, know? pulling himself. <laughs> um, uh, got a bunch of backstage vignettes. We can skip all of that rubbish. Uh, Soraya beat Willow. Um, and I don't know why, but for some reason, I really bought on the Sheeta coming in and turning on uh, uh, the baby. I don't know why I bought that. It would have, it really wouldn't have made any sense. No. But they fucking got me. Um, so yeah, Sheeta came back after the match um, and teased that she was going to join the Outcasts. And then Hader and Britt came from under the ring, and and she well, she she had been she had been palling around with Soraya and Tony Storm before their heel turn. To be fair, so at least from that yes. on that level, it worked. Yeah, oh, and they, to, be, to be fair to them, they did plant the seed of like Soraya overlooked her when she was picking a a, a partner. Um, back way back when back back in that match that everyone thought would have Mercedes in it, but alas. Um. So yeah, that was that was a good segment, and it was good to see Sheeta back. And good to see Willow. I mean, I, are we going to get behind Willow already? Like, what are we waiting for here? Yeah, I mean, they only seem to do one women's angle on the show at a time, unfortunately. So they can't, uh, you know. But they only they only do Willow as well. We need someone for to lose. She's sky blue. Beat. She's in the sky blue rule, which is which. She's better than that. I mean, she's she's, she's better than that, and she's so much more marketable than that. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah. I think that. Yeah. This is absolutely one of those things where, like, let's let's get a second woman storyline on the show. Like, let's not just you. Ha- you. You're either in the Brit Soraya orbit, or you're being beaten by Jade. I think that. I think we need a bit more than that. But um, I, I wouldn't get my hopes up for that. Um, and I know Willow's on mm-hmm. Ring of Honor a lot. I. I do not have. I do not have it in me to pay a tenner to watch. Another, it's two hours. If it wasn't two hours, I'd maybe muster it. It's wow. just a lot to ask. Could be two minutes. Mm. I wouldn't fucking watch that shit. <laughs> well, they'll probably tape some at Wembley, so you might be forced to watch some. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I'll go. I'll go and have a bit. Have you ever seen ninety thousand people go for a piss at once <laughs> <laughs> without leaving their seat? Yeah, <laughs> just a tidal wave of piss knocking fucking AR Fox off his feet. Um. Anyway, uh, the House of Black announced an open challenge. Uh, for their titles, so we'll get the first one of those next week. There was a Trey's de Mayo Battle Royal. This is a Trios Battle Royal. Um, mm-hmm. 
which was eventually won by Anthony Bowens and Billy Gunn after Max Caster was already eliminated. So the they what did they get? They they were the they're now the number one contenders, or was this just for a laugh? No, I think Excalibur said the winners of this are surely in the conversation oh. for maybe thinking about perhaps down the line getting a title shot, maybe. Which so it's one of those ones. is funny when in the previous segment. The champions just said they're doing an, an open challenge gimmick. And next yep. week, a, a random collection of men are facing them in a match. But well, here, but the, the, how about uh, that? The acclaimed, the acclaimed boys had to earn a, a consideration for a, a whatever. Who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> uh, we got more Sammy and MJF stuff. As much as I'm not into this angle, I think the, the MJF making a fool out of Sammy is at least amusing. I would say he's, I like, I like that he had a bad back and that's why he needed the full car. (laughs) The back of the car. Yeah, that was, that was all right. That was all right. Um, Kenny Omega slept through a promo that also had Don Callis there. I don't know what was up with him. Um, in this, but he, it was like one take, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think Kenny needs to, to watch some some eighties tapes, not for the wrestling, but for the coked up. He needs to promos. do some fucking coke before. The Jesus promo. Christ! I kind of wonder if this was part of the. Was it on purpose? Maybe because oh, then Don because then Don took over and started cutting the. I wonder if that was like it was this kind of subtle yeah, storyline thing, like Don's you know putting himself at the front or something like that. You you can make the argument that like Kenny in in his and his anger has almost become disassociated. He's so, but like, that's just a wanky fucking explanation. It was a bad, yeah. it was a bad promo. I mean, yeah. wakey, wakey, Kenny, come on, emote a little bit, act. Look what they did to Don Callis's head, for God's sake. Be angry. You're yeah. going to fight with a cage next week. He sounded like he was explaining Pythagoras's theorem or something. He was just so matter of factly, Spouting off dialogue, it was it was a little a little boring, Kenny. Um, after that we got a uh, Wardlow squashing a fella, and then Christian came out on the ramp. Um, and... uh, speaking of promos, I did I thought Wardlow's post match was actually quite good. He did show a bit of fire, the, the, yeah, the fire that Kenny didn't. So I'll give him give him that. Yeah, Wardlow. I agree. I hate his gear though. What you white, white, too, too much of it. Gear. Showing too much thigh. What happened to the little shorts he used to Ah, let him show as much thigh as he wants. Like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Looks silly. Looks silly. He's, he's going to end up looking like, God, who used to wear like a singlet with no like shorts on it? That never looks good, that look. I hate it. Just go, just go with like the tights if that's what you want to do. Why have the straps at all at that point? I, uh, I, think, I don't think it looks, aesthetically, I don't think it looks good. Um, the ladies in attendance would disagree with you. I think the ladies in attendance would be happy from just wearing little tights. Back. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you <laughs> know what? You're probably right. Little uh, Dragon Lee, little tidy whities um, <laughs> Dragon yeah. Lee with, with, with the pubes showing. Yeah, those. Uh, Christian said he's getting a title shot, basically. So he, uh, probably this will probably be a, a swerve, but he's basically implied that he's getting the title shot, not uh, Luchasaurus. But I, I'm sure that'll be bullshit. Then we got the highlight of the week, which was Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, Satnam, and Jeff Jarrett oh, going to the farm. God. With with Satnam in the in the in the overalls. 
um, uh, uh, and 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 Jarrett riding around on the lawnmower, and Satnam picking up the little bibber, the little bibber Briscoe, mm. the, in the palm of his hand, the little tiny little thing. And my absolute favorite moment from this whole endeavor, my favorite thing from AEW all week, I think, is when they did a big reveal where Papa Briscoe showed up, and all the heels scarpered because he had to talk to Mark. And he was like, "You watch, you watch them. They're crafty." But when they scarpered, Satnam still had the baby. So Satnam's running off with the baby in his hands. Oh, it was great. This was great stuff. Um, uh, I'm slowly, slowly warming to this this angle. With, with this, is the thing they, they've it. made it work. They've made it work despite all our pushback on it. They're like, yeah. look, you're you're gonna get Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, and you're gonna enjoy it. And now we're at the point where I am. Yeah. So uh, they put an extended cut up of this. I've not yet watched it, but uh, I'm sure it was very funny. Uh, let me see here. Juice Robinson versus Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks beat him. I, I, I was okay. Didn't make much of it. What did you boys make of this? Colder than ice. I, I, don't, yeah. care. I don't care about Jay White at uh, the moment. Or Ricky Starks, to be honest. I, I just, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, um, of course, I am going to double on, I think. It's getting very close now. It's only two or three weeks away. They've currently announced... One match, one match, uh, which I'm moderately excited. I don't, I, you know, I'm looking forward to the four pillars match, and I'm looking forward to whatever they do with the, the Bullet Club, uh, Bullet Club, <laughs> the BCC, and um, the Elite. But other than that, fucking hell, Tony, you're gonna have to pull some rabbits out of the hat here, mate, because sitting through Ricky Starks versus Jay White, I'm gonna go to the loo during that, to be honest, uh, even if I don't need to, <laughs> I will just sit there. Um, yeah, this is this. Does anyone are you enjoying this? Lads? You getting anything out of this? No, no, no. And, but 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 as we said, when there was the Jay White conjecture about where he would end up, we're not expect, especially big Jay White fans over here. So, I nevertheless, I thought his ultimate you know arriving at AW would feel like a bigger deal. Mm. I'm surprised that they've stuck him in this slot with Juice Robinson, who's been doing nothing to this point. And, you know, if he had just come in and feuded with Ricky and that had been the feud, I think that would have been fine. It, it's it's the people adjacent to it that, that are kind of dragging it down for me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess they're going to do that J match. At the, the funny thing is, it's, it's feeling like Starks is pretty cold at the moment. And I don't imagine he's beaten Jay White. I would, maybe I'm wrong, but I... I would assume Jay White wins that match because he's a yeah hot hot signing, you know. Because look how many zeros are on that contract, brother. Yes, I mean it can't have been small. It cannot be small. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Uh, before the main event, uh, MJF approached. Um, this was uh, nice. I thought this was good. Uh, Jack Perry, you know, just trying to you know butter him up and make a deal. Mm. Yeah, they did, uh, they did the, did the bit where Stephanie walked in on Triple H. Teaching Trish to hammerlock. It was that that kind of yeah, situation. Darby Darby walked in and he was like, "What's that all about?" <laughs> and Jeffrey said, "Don't worry about it." And I was like, "Damn, well, he's Austin he is worried already." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know many people have made this point, but it, it, this feud is showing how little they have in these four people, um, specifically Jungle Boy and Sammy. I, I mean, I think Darby is, you know, Darby's Darby. Everyone knows he's great. And, and yeah, yeah. you know, I think he's coming out, I think he's coming out about neutral in this mm. feud. 
Sammy, I think all, the die also has been cast. I don't think I'm too shocked to say he's been really annoying in this. I think Jungle Boy is coming out net negative out of this. I think it's not helping him at all. I think it's 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 obvious they're trying to give him more and make him do more talking and make him be taken more seriously. Mm. And I'm, it's not it's not washing at all with me. Um, mm. I mean, I think the thing is, like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, is Jungle Boy doesn't have his own promo style. He doesn't have a unique sound. Yeah, like Darby, for better or worse, and MJF do. You know, you can't say, do me an impression of Jungle Boy, you know, like you mm. could for Austin Hogan, Flair, The Rock, um, or Macho Man. The, the, the greats, you can just go on and on and on. They all have their unique sound, the, the, their cadence and their voice and their delivery. Jungle Boy just sounds like he, he's come off the NXT conveyor belt. That's his biggest problem, I think. Uh, and then we got the tag match, which, of course, the baby faces won, and that set up the... Um, of course. Uh, the match is actually a four-way, you know. So whatever. Um, yeah. Won't we won't waste too much time on that. Uh, we probably also shouldn't waste too much time on the on rampage. I think on rampage, the first half of rampage, I thought was actually. I watched it live. Yeah. Uh, since oh, it, was, it, was, it was early uh, this week. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, we, got, we 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 won't go too in depth on it. It, the, it was it was mostly a worthless show. Yeah, Vikingo and the Lucha Brothers beat QTV. Um, yeah, it's uh, not too. It's alright, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Jade Cargo squashed someone. I don't. I, I guess they're going back to the tie feud. They don't. They didn't seem to establish anyone new, um, but we'll see. Uh, Mark Briscoe versus Preston Vance was alright. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, which you know was alright. I think Mark Briscoe's a really fun TV wrestler to have. Yeah. Um, there, um, and then we got the firm deletion match which i mean was with the exception of stokely who i thought was very funny throughout it i mean it was dreck it was complete dreck and it's one of those things where i was like i thought we were i thought we as a people were collectively over this but also i thought tony khan was over letting this stuff go on the Mm. on the show uh i mean also maybe i'm you know maybe i'm i don't know i don't maybe people don't care about this but I, i was a bit annoyed when it was like it starts and they immediately do the drone thing. It's like, hello, it's me, Matt Hardy. And like, you weren't doing this character. You haven't done this in uh, months, but it's, oh, it's a wacky match at the house. So we have to do the wacky house match character. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a bit yeah. stupid. Even even in your dumb lore world, you're kind of just turning it on and on like a switch. Um, you know, mm. um, I hated that Hook was in this. I hated oh, that yeah, Hook was in that this. Was the worst yes. part. Terrible spot. This was absolute bollocks, honestly. It had none of the old, the old ones had that kind of silliness where they did spooky stuff or they had the, the lake of reincarnation or whatever. You know, there was a kind of silliness and a funniness to those. This, because this didn't have any of that because they kind of played it straight almost. It, it, it was just complete shit. And I saw someone, they tweet, Matt Hardy tweeted out, oh, we couldn't put the full-length version on Rampage. Yeah. So check out the full-length version on Bleacher Report. I, yeah. oh, another 10 minutes of that shit. No, thank you, mate. And then someone um, someone fucking replied to that and said, oh, t- Tony Khan made a big mistake not putting the full version on Rampage. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Jesus Christ. This was ugh, bollocks. Right. I, I'll echo the hate for this. Um, I thought I was excited, actually. Mm. Yeah, I, I was looking. I thought, oh, it might be fun. It might be a bit. Silly. There's enough fun people involved that this could work. Yeah, 
And also, and in the end, I thought they would do something different. I didn't think, I honestly didn't think they'd go back and do all the, because it was like, it was, it was a weird, like, house show version of the final deletion. It was just, just doing just the things. hits. Just, you know, there's but, but, Senior but Benjamin. Not, but not even doing the hits. Because not even, yeah. You, you, you have, they've set up already, you have certain easy pops, easy gimmicks. Boat of, re, boat, uh, what's it called? Dilapidated Boat, Lake of Reincarnation. Um, you know, within the lore, there are bits that, that are proven to work. And so what I expected was, right, in this kind of hardy compound match, you have limitless creativity in terms of what you can do um, outside of the parameters of it being a standard brawl that happens to be there, which is what they ultimately ended up doing for the most part. As like, you could do, you can do ABC, you can have... Um, the Lake of Reincarnation, Taz involved. I know that idea was spouted by a load of people, but you know, it was that kind of thing where there's little callbacks, little funny bits. Mm-hmm. And um, instead, what we got was just, for the most part, uh, an extremely bad brawl in a field. In a field with one bit where Senor Benjamin was there, the kids were there. None of it worked. None of it was funny. None of it was creative. Um, and then it was over, and it was it was just a colossal waste of time. And as Joe said, I saw yeah Bleach Report the the, the extended cut. And it's like, well, if I wanted to, to watch um, you know the Baywatch movie, and I gave it one star, which I did, or maybe half a star, and they're like, yeah, but you haven't seen the the two and a half hour version. It's like, well, no, <laughs> I, I, I I got my fill already, and it, it, it sucked. You're right, I haven't seen that. Um. Worst, you know, it's like worst match in AEW TV history. I'm going to say that. Oh, I would certainly I say, I would certainly say, as far as my expectation going in, my disappointment with it, I would say it's, it's, it's certainly in that conversation. Like, what, what bit of it would you recommend someone? Oh, you got to go see they, they, this. Listen to what, what they did here. That is funny thing. No, there's no, there's nothing I would recommend somebody to watch from it. Just skip. no. I I don't I didn't even think Stokely was that funny honestly. He was too over the top. He was too silly almost. Ah, uh, that, that's what I liked. Yeah, but the rest of it didn't match that tone. The rest of it wasn't silly, so he just stood out like a, a weird sore thumb. But it was what it was. It was what it was. I mean, that is that's it, isn't it? Um, yeah. So that was uh, that was Rampage, and that's uh, that's our wrestling reviews for the week. Uh, we will jump in to movies. Who watched a movie this week, boys? Just the one. Go on. I watched. I watched a new David Lowry movie, Peter and Wendy, on Disney Plus. Oh, the great David Lowry. Yeah, I mean, I see David Lowry. Great. I mean, he's made great stuff in the past. Ooh, David, Green Knight, one of my favorite movies of of the last few years. Ghost, yeah. uh, Ghost Story Barry, Story, one of my you, favorite you, movies. You and I love. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Pete's Dragon, but I've heard it's excellent. So yeah. I said, right, we give this Green Knight, Peter- as you said, excellent too. Yeah, we give this Peter and Wendy a watch. This director, more often than not, knocks it out of the park. Oh, baby, I'd rather watch <laughs> The Firm Deletion again. This was some, maybe, maybe I wouldn't quite go that far. This was extremely boring. And not in the way some might accuse Ghost Story of being dull, because that movie's quite beautiful and, and it's slow, but it, you know, that's, it has a point to it. This was just nothing happening for the longest time horrible performances in it the, the kid they brought in to play peter pan was was maybe one of the worst performances i've ever seen <laughs> um 
I was so bored watching it. And it's not long. It's like barely 80 minutes. And it just felt like it went on forever. The pace of it was so slow. Um, most annoying thing, which I hate in these remakes, is they shoehorn in musical cues from the original. And so all, all you think is, oh, I sure like the scene in the original one. Here, mm. it's boring. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't get on board with it at all. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, which is a shame because like the firm deletion, I, I went in with, with quite high expectations. I said, well, I really fucking like those other movies he did. But, uh, and I saw his comments from him. Like, this is, this is my most personal movie. This is my favorite movie that I've made. Like, lad, this, <laughs> the guy this, who made a ghost story. This movie, this, <laughs> sorry, this movie is bollocks, lad. This movie yeah. is, 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 is rubbish. Oh dear. Um, like Peter Pan, if you were to describe the character, he's like he's like impish. He's like a, a rogue. He doesn't want to grow up. He's a he's a mm-hmm. cheeky cheeky chappy. No, he's just he's just played like this sad kid with with not not an ounce of charisma. I was like, okay, I can appreciate doing something different. And there 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 are differences in the film with the the relationship between Hulk and Pan, for example. They do a different kind of take on that. But it was so fucking boring. No, not for me. Not for me. Joe, did you watch any movies? Yeah, a couple of movies. Um, Ticket to Paradise, uh, which is a uh, rom-com with George Clooney and Julia Roberts, uh, Caitlin Dever as well. Um, so this is this is kind of the big return of Clooney and Roberts to the rom-com, to the kind of big A-list movies. So they play a couple of uh, divorced parents whose daughter, played by Caitlin Dever, uh, decides to kind of drop out of law school and get married to a guy she met while on holiday in Bali, who kind of works as a, a fisherman. Um, and they're both like, she can't drop out of law school, this will ruin her future. So even though they're divorced and they hate each other, they kind of reunite to try and stop the daughter getting married to this guy. Um, it's very kind of 90s rom-com in that it's got that kind of high concept. It's got you know, Clooney and Roberts in it. Um, it was quite funny and it was quite charming. And uh, it's, it's funny kind of watching them do the same thing they, they did, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, but it's still quite charming and they're still both very funny. Uh, but it does feel a little bit like, uh, I don't know, like when you watch a, a footballer's come back for like a charity match. So <laughs> David Beckham plays at Old Trafford in his Man United kit in 2023. And it's like, uh, it's not quite the same, even though he's kind of doing the same thing. So, but it was, it was, it was a good movie. And I like the, the young actresses it also has Billy Lord in it, playing the best, the kind of best friend character, um, which is appropriate given her mother was Carrie Fisher was the ultimate kind of best, best friend rom-com actress. Um, so I, I kind of recommend it. it was a, it was a sort of fun movie. It was uh, pretty short and charming and, and funny enough. And that's now on streaming on Now TV. And then at the cinema, we went to see a new British film called Polite Society. Uh, it was quite a fun one. It's um, oh, I've seen, yeah, seen the trailer for this. Yeah, trailer. It's kind of action, action comedy about a, about a kind of a Muslim young Muslim British girl who's. Uh, obsessed with sort of kung fu and action, and she wants to be a stunt woman. Uh, and her sister's kind of being married off to this very smug, kind of perfect uh, guy from a rich family. And she's like 
determined to kind of stop it. And so it's very kind of fantastical, lots of like fight scenes uh, at school and things like that. And um, very kind of, I think Kermode said it was very like Edgar Wright-esque in terms mm. of the filming and the kind of uh, you know pop culture references and things like that. And I'd say that's definitely true in terms of stylistically, it does have a lot of that kind of flavor to it. Um, I did find it quite charming and and very funny, and uh, I really got a warm to the characters. I would say, in terms of execution, it wasn't perfect. Um, I think the story kind of meanders about a bit for the first sort of 20, 30 minutes before it really gets going. I think they could have done a, a bit more on that. But, yeah, overall, I would, I would say it's definitely one worth checking out, uh, maybe once it, it finds its way onto streaming. Um, fun, fun little movie. Uh, polite society i don't like the name of the movie to be honest but mm. <laughs> but i, I it, worth a watch definitely if you're, uh, if you're into that kind of thing so yeah pretty good and that's what i've been watching uh, this week Alrighty, uh, i watched a couple of films this week i watched snow piercer for the first time um the uh, Bong Joon-ho, uh, Chris Evans joint mm. um, from 2014. It's fucking great. I, I knew yeah, this I movie was it. well regarded. I, I, I was like, oh, whoa, this is really good. Um, an odd little movie as well. It seems mm. to occupy a weird space, like budget-wise. It's like, you know, kind of a blockbuster, but obviously also not in that stratosphere financially. It's It's... <laughs> Got an interesting cast to it, um, uh, you know. Uh, it's adapted from a comic book. I was shocked. French, French, Belgian comic. Yeah, a little Frenchy comic book. Because I was, I was watching this and I was going, I would like to read this. And then I thought it was a comic. I was like, oh, definitely give it a look. But yeah, really great. Um, um, uh, really great performances up and down. Uh, the only, the only jarring thing is, it's not just the case of that the the CGI of the train doesn't look great. I think it's just okay. It doesn't look terrible for a film. Something about it, I think, like tonally, doesn't quite look the same as the inside the carriage stuff, which obviously looks. I think the set design is fantastic. I think all the in the train stuff looks great. They just don't wash with each other, with each other super well. I found. Other than that, I thought it was fantastic. I really, really loved it. Um, uh, you know, uh, another one of those movies. I mean, it, it's, this is only the second of his films I've seen. It kind of wears its themes on its sleeve. It's not hiding anything it's very on the nose but i i like that i'm happy for them to do that if they're doing it with as much flair and 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 style as as this film is um yeah thoroughly enjoyed that Uh, i want to watch the the show which is apparently in limbo at the moment i think it's it's been well i i love the movie i've never felt compelled to watch the show yeah really um i got around to watching cocaine bear the elizabeth banks um, comedy. It was all right to the degree I got a couple of laughs out of it, and it is just ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not. It doesn't double down enough on the comedy or the horror or the action enough uh, for me to really say, "Oh, give it a super double thumbs up recommendation." It's 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 not wacky enough despite the fact that it's a wacky B movie that was obviously, you know, little budget, 
put a couple of stars in there and it'll market itself because we'll just call it cocaine bear and that'll be the the that's the marketing push which was very successful because it was a huge hit but the movie itself other than the fact that there's some gnarly violence it's it's not really this campy over the top b-movie thing there's a couple of amusing kills in it but other than that it's kind of boring um uh the premise so this is of course one of the more flimsy based on a true story things ever the intro to the film is based entirely in reality a drug dealer was flying over this stretch of woods his plane was over encumbered he started to jettison the coke and then he jumped out himself uh he had a parachute failure and he crashed and landed in the middle of a sleepy American suburb with a bunch of coke on his person. That's all based in reality. A bunch of the coke was then went missing in in the woods. That's true. A bear ate about 40 pounds of it. And that's where the reality ends. Because then what happened is that the bear just died and they found its body a few (laughs) weeks ago. And they stuffed it and put it in a mall because it's America. Of course (laughs) they did. Um, So that's the reality. And then the the part of the film where it goes around uh, killing actors from Game of Thrones and The Wire... Um, that's all fake. There's zero accounts of it ever interacting with a person. It's all just completely. But the the first twenty minutes is shocking to me. I thought the whole thing was was completely made up. But apparently, there was a guy who literally jumped out of a plane and died in the middle of the street uh, uh, in the eighties. I think this is set. Um, but uh, yeah, and then it's just kind of like basically a couple of guys go looking for the drugs. A kid goes missing in the woods. A park ranger is investigating this. And so you have these different groups of people meandering through the woods and they encounter the bear at seemingly random points and hijinks happen. Uh, but not enough. Not enough hijinks is the problem. And they've, you know, they got Ray Liotta in there to chew the scenery, one of his last one of his last roles before he passed. But he's not in it that much. And it's it's everything that's good about it, there's not enough of. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like there's probably a much better like cut of this movie, like an unrated director's cut with twice as much bear and half as much kids wandering through the woods looking for the bear. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's all right. It's a it's an enjoyable enough ninety minutes, but it's it's not anything it's, special. It, it doesn't sound like it's kind of st- stupid and silly enough, like a Sharknado type thing. Like it's not yes. that dumb, is it? But it's also not clever enough to be. In- no, exactly. That it, it is. Kind of, it's just the mid mid right. That is one hundred percent it. That is one hundred percent it. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a very easy dumb watch if you're having a lazy night in. I would yeah. say that. Uh, what is not a, a lazy dumb watch that doesn't even have those redeeming qualities? I finally watched the New Mutants, which is like the last X Men film I have not seen. That is a piece of shit. I mean, that is a bad movie. Um, uh, a bunch of terrible performances with actors I usually like. Anya Taylor Joy is horrible in it. Maisie Williams is terrible. Um, the main girl is okay. I I don't know her name. I haven't seen her in anything else. Um, uh, she's she's okay in it. But yeah, it's it's there's some interesting enough ideas in there. This was kind of a this was kind of one of their I think it was pre Disney acquisitions. This is kind of one of their last ditch. Let's try and get some juice back into X Men with a fresher idea. And this is the one that's that's kind of they're not in the Xavier School. It's it's a bunch of mute, young mutants in like a psych ward, like a much cynical, less nice version of of like a Xavier figure watching over them. Uh, and it's more horror. But again, this is a movie that had a very tortuous development. It was finished like two years before it came out. It got chopped up a million different ways. The original pitch on it was that it was going to be more of a horror movie. That stuff is in there, but it they don't lead into kind of like Cocaine Bear. They don't go into that enough. This is just a ho-hum 
origin superhero movie with some scary elements in it. Um, it's super watered down. It's 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 not good at all. Um, uh, yeah, kind of a bummer because there's enough interesting stuff in there that they don't they don't maximize. Uh, but yeah, that's the new mutants. Um, so thumbs down on that one. We'll see what we'll see what the Disney Brigade do with with X Men. But um, the the Fox era of that franchise really died with a whimper, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and those are my my movies <clears throat> for this week. Well, I've got a little TV show to uh, review. We, Go on. Uh, we watched this week. So we watched um, Fleshman is in Trouble, yeah. which is an FX uh, series that's on, on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so it's based on a 2019 novel of the same name, and it stars Jesse Eisenberg, uh, he of uh, playing Mark Zuckerberg fame and other stuff. Mm-hmm. He's a, what else has he been in? The, oh, he was Lex Luthor, of course. Uh, yeah, he, he was, just plays neurotic. He was in those magician, those magician movies as well. Yeah, Social Network. Yeah. Uh, so Jesse Eisenberg, who I do, who I do like, I think he's very good. And so he plays a kind of recently divorced uh, doctor who is kind of getting back into the dating scene, and whose ex-wife kind of goes missing. And so it's a bit of a not quite a mystery, but it's a. It's kind of unfolding his his adjustment to his new life, but through the kind of lens of trying to figure out what has happened to his ex-wife, who is played by uh, Claire Danes. Uh, it also stars Lizzie Kaplan and Adam Brody as his kind of two uh, close friends. So it's very much a kind of, uh, you know, a, a coming of age or passage of time, sort of midlife crisis type movie. So what happens once you get towards 40 and you kind of have to start over again? It's, it's very much that and uh that it has this kind of narration throughout which is taken directly from the book and mm. they don't make much of an effort to, <laughs> to 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 hide that or to or to to kind of transform it into more of a tv narration it is very much feels like a, a book narration but enjoyable enjoyable nonetheless i would say the kind of performances uh, are very very good from from Eisenberg and from Danes, and I, I think the structure of it's quite an interesting structure in that it's it's kind of creating this mystery, but then you kind of tell it from different perspectives of different characters as well, which is those are those are the strengths of it really. I think there is some kind of elements of it I didn't enjoy that much, just in terms of feeling a bit flabby and kind of going into different directions that don't feel that kind of crucial to the central story, but overall uh, really enjoyed it and, and features a lot of people I like, you know, I always, I always like watching Adam Brody uh, and there's a few, few other kind of cameos in it that are particularly good, but yeah, I definitely one worth, worth checking out. It's a kind of eight episode run. Uh, I think that's going to be a, I think it was a, a one-off series. So uh, definitely want to put in the, in the backlog if you haven't started it yet. Did you watch Kid Detective, Joe? I don't remember. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good oh, movie. yeah. Oh, very, yeah. Very, good. very good movie. Very good movie. Yeah. Very, very good. <laughs> uh, no telly for you, Paul? I mean, I've watched telly, but, like, what's to talk about? Succession continues to be, yeah, continues I mean, to be yeah. good. I feel like I feel, I feel like the last episode was a little bit of a step, a slight step down, but it's 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 generally been been, been strong this season. Uh, Kel Surprise Succession continues to be really good. We're coming to the end though, though, Joe. We've got what four more episodes? Four more. Yeah. Four more. We did fi- we did hear that the finale is going to be an hour and a half long as well. Should be two or don't, three. 
Yeah, don't worry, brother. This is this isn't Marvel. Give us as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. it. We'll take it. Um, yeah, last episode was, I think, tonally a little too silly for me. But I, I like oh. when it's, it, I like when it straddles the balance between funny and and serious a bit more. Uh, it was yeah, the, yeah. It was. It was. Like a, a, they've done things like that in the past. That's that's a bit more comedic. You know, getting back yeah. to it's kind of funnier roots, mate. Or it's funnier roots, but like that. Yeah, it has leaned into the comedy at times. I think it's going a bit more towards that. I, I liked. I kind of liked where they went with it. I, I did like. I liked it. It was. It was a little bit closer to something like The Office, though. It was a, li- a little bit of a farce almost a little bit a little bit too much too much for me mm. but it was very it was very good i've been watching um poker face continues to be very good uh what else have i watched yeah no, no nothing important enough for me to bring up just little little bits here and there yeah i'm i'm, I'm the same yeah just like you know latest episode of barry was phenomenal um you know that's yeah not not, not watch, actually not watching it much at the moment might start something new soon rona's actually watching fleischman is in trouble she's in, she's enjoying that um i i didn't partake myself but yeah um <laughs> all access aw all access is the only thing i'm watching uh we'll jump into the video games here um I'll trim some of these out here because uh, uh, I beat PsyOps. You can watch that on the old YouTube channel. That's a wonderfully charming game from 15 years ago. Um, really enjoyed that. Also, Stranglehold, made by the same team. I only realized after I beat them both that the folks who, who made the folks at Midway who made Stra- uh, PsyOps, their next project was Stranglehold. So they knew how to make some fun shooters <laughs> in the 2000s. Um, uh, finish that. Um, since I last spoke to you, I started and finished the original Splinter Cell game. Um, mm. which is a franchise I, I really like, but I kind of realized I've only played like two of them. I played, I played the third game and then I played the last game that came out before it, it's, it's current hiatus. It's on So like, all right, let's, let's jump back and, and, and play them. I played the original. It, it, I, it's a fucking 20 year old game. So I guess I shouldn't be shocked at this stage. It's an original Xbox game, but it felt way older than I was expecting. Um, uh, very limited. Like it, it Parts of it still look really cool and modern. It has gorgeous lighting effects. It's it's a you know it's a stealth game where you you know you can really how submerged in darkness you are, you know you can you can be literally invisible if you're in a dark room, you know, and then you know closer to light sources, enemies see you better or not. That stuff's really dynamic and aesthetically it looks nice for a twenty year old game. But then there's stuff like uh three alarm get noticed three times and get three alarms in a level it's an instant failure you're like okay we don't really do that in games anymore for a, for a good reason um you know uh that stuff's kind of frustrating but it's good it 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 feels it feels fun to play uh the the light mechanic works really well it's got a, it's a tom clancy game so it has a good kind of political intrigue you oh, half the missions are in like embassies you're not supposed to be in and you know you're you're trying to not kill people and cause international incidents uh, it's really solid. It definitely feels like the foundation of a, of a cool franchise to come. So I'm looking forward to watching it uh, progress. But um, but yeah, really good. Uh, held up decently well, despite feeling very old. One thing that feels very old about it is I'm playing. So I played the PC version because apparently the the it's the best version. But back in the day, back in today, before it was standard practice for everything to work with a modern controller, the assumption was that you'd play this game with W A S and D on your on your old keyboard and not with an analog stick so it doesn't have analog stick support so to make your guy go faster or slower you have basically accelerate and decelerate buttons like he's a car 
Um, so when you when you, when you need to be in sneaky mode, you have to press. I had it mapped to one of the back buttons on the Steam Deck, yeah. but you basically need to press slow down. That makes him go into creepy mode to go up behind a guy and do the old neck snap stealth game thing. And then when it's time to run to the next objective, you tap accelerate three times to get him in run. It's very odd. It's kind of cool. Like it, it, I, once I actually got into the swing of it, it was uh, pretty interesting. But it's it's no replacement for the old modern thing where you just you lightly tap the analog stick to walk in modern games. Uh, but yeah, so I started Splinter Cell 2, and uh, I'll report back. It seems like more of the same. It doesn't seem like this is a super well-regarded sequel, but I will I will power through it. Um, I'm also playing, for the very first time, Silent Hill, the very first Silent Hill game, which I've never touched before. Very stylish. I'm actually really, really liking it. Um, uh, very spooky, as you'd expect. Very atmospheric. Uh, it is incredible to go back and play a game on the PS1, which I just think of as a... In my head, I'm just like... Just all dog shit, blocky, ugly, hideous video games that don't hold up at all. Silent Hill looks nice. It definitely looks like it's a PS1 game. You're not going to be fooled, but um, it's got it's got a wonderful haunting score. It's got fixed camera angles, which I'm a sucker for. Um, uh, it's got fixed camera angles, but they move as you move through the level. So it's not just like Resident Evil style where they're plonked in the roof. They follow you a certain degree. And so certain early scenes I played, it's like it almost has a Raimi Evil Dead swooshy camera effect to it, which is actually really cool. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed Silent Hill. And then uh, a more modern game, I started Terra Nil on the Android telephone. Um, this is a Netflix game. This is one of their... Um, uh, if you're a subscriber to us, here's a collection of games. Um, so this is a PC game, and Netflix have been really crafty because they've gotten a couple of games that are on other systems that people are like, oh, this would be great on phones. And they're like, it is great on phones. Subscribe to Netflix because you actually can't buy it. You have to have the only way you can play this on phone is to have Netflix, which is a little bit annoying. It sucks that you have to, that a good game is locked behind that. But nonetheless, Terranil is a is a like a reverse city builder in a way. It, it, it's... It's kind of like a, a SimCity type thing, but you're restoring like a barren desert wasteland to like a ecologically flourishing um, uh, like forest, basically. So you you plant a, a wind turbine to get energy, then you plant a thing that uh, draws energy from the turbine to fix the soil. Then the soil is fixed. Now you can plant grass, and that, it works on that kind of trade in the same way. You know, in a in a city building game, you build a road, then you can put a business on the road, and then you can put electricity. Blah 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 blah. blah. You know, it's like that, but but kind of going. It's got a, a more ecological save the planet slant on it. It's good. It's good. Um, and again, it is quote unquote free if you have Netflix on Android or iOS. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that is the games. A lot of games at the moment. Um, and I'm gonna try. I want to try and wrap some of these up before Zelda because I'm playing a lot at the moment, and I want to have a I want to have a relatively clean slate so I can just set the time aside for when Tears of the Kingdom comes out and inevitably takes over everyone's life. The world, the world. Yeah, I did see. I I did. I I didn't seriously look into it because it it seemed like it wouldn't wouldn't work especially well but obviously tears of the kingdom leaked out you can just play it now like it is just out i did i did go on youtube and i was like how's how's that running on the old steam deck is that is that running okay <laughs> would that be worth it it's not worth it apparently it's it's no switch 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 emulation on the deck is is good but stuff like that forget about it it kind of seems like if you want to play it you need a, a beast of a you know fucking seven bajillion euro graphics card pc to play it so i was like all right 
I'll be a good boy. I'll just buy it. Yeah. Well, speaking of Zelda, I finished Link's Awakening last week. The Switch remake? The Switch remake. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. But like someone who hasn't wiped their arse properly, I still had an itch that wasn't quite scratched. (laughs) I think that's a pretty good analogy, you know? Um, so I needed more Zelda. So I said, okay, what's another Zelda that I can fucking pound out in a week? Uh, and I also, I quite enjoyed the experience of the 2D Zelda rather than going back to a 3D one. So since it's on the Switch Online Super Nintendo, mm. uh, I said, let's let's give Link to the Past another, another go, which is probably the game I've completed the most number of times at this stage. I must have played through it six or seven times. Completely. Uh, it was obviously my first Zelda. Got a Christmas morning. I want to say nineteen ninety six, and that was that was the first game that where I was like, "Oh my god, this isn't just running from the left side of the screen to the right side. Here I can <laughs> go anywhere and do anything. Anything, everything's possible in games." Um, and so it was nice to revisit it. I think, and it's really become apparent to me on this playthrough. You know, the, the, if the question ever might come up uh, of a novice to the series, I, I'm get interested in getting into Zelda, but, but there's so many. Like, where do I start? Link to the Past is the perfect beginner's Zelda. That may be me. I, I, I would, it, it's yeah. the perfect one. It's not too long. You could, you could beat it in 10 hours, I'd say. It's not too hard. Mm. Because obviously being 2D, you know, I don't say 2D games are easy, but there, there's... Not as much to it as there as there is with a full three D world, like puzzle wise. It's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's beautiful, lovely, you know, vintage Super Nintendo graphics. It looks it looks great, great music. Uh, it's got a great little sense of adventure, um, and yeah, I, I don't think you get you get stuck in it too much. It, it, it signposts pretty well. Well, that's and, good. and it doesn't take an age to be. I I think it's like the perfect. And and also, it's kind of the first game where they properly introduced a lot of the items and a lot of the lore elements that would go on to be expanded on in, in further games. You know, like even even with Ocarina of Time, you know, stuff like the Master Sword and the Hook Shot, and you know, all that stuff comes from Link to the Past. Link to the Past is the game where it all first happened. And of course, I mean, it goes without saying. That Link to the Past is revered as one of the best games of all. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, people when people talk about the best games, Link to the Past is pretty bloody it good. It tends to come up. It comes up. Yeah. <laughs> it comes up, and yeah, I, I mean, as a starting point, yeah, you could start with Skyward Sword or whatever. But it's it's kind of like Link to the Past has also aged extremely well, being of that generation, um, and it, it, it kind of eases you into the ideas of of what these these items, these lore elements are. That maybe then, if you if you if you enjoy it and you want to go on to other Zelda games, you'll get more out of them, knowing where those ideas generated from in the first place. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I don't know if it necessarily be my favorite Zelda game, but I think it's 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 a remarkably consistent one across the board. I don't really have any criticisms of it at all. I think it's really, really, really excellent. And I, the one thing I want in life before I die is just make a fucking make another Zelda game like this one. When they did Link Between Worlds, that was great enough, but it was 3D sprites and it was ugly as hell. Like, why can't we just go back and make another one that looked and feels like this one? Because yeah. same with Mario World. Why can't we not go back? What's this fucking new Super Mario Bros. shit? 
why can't we not go back and do another Mario World properly? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I picked back up. I think I talked about it a few weeks ago. I picked back up new the DS New Super Mario Bros. I was like, this is just kind of boring. <laughs> this is like it's not, it's not, it's not, it's no Mario Worlds. It is no Mario Worlds. So that's what I've been playing. I, I'm I, I'm quite I'm on the last level, so I've got through it really fast. I'm on I'm on I won't spoil what the last level, is, but I'm on the last level of the, the game. I might jump into that one because I, I do want to uh, tackle brilliant. more more Zelda. Um, it's brilliant. The, the one advice I would give to anyone who's stuck, if you if you would get stuck in it, is like old games, there are some esoteric bits where it's like the solution is push a block left. Yeah. You know, there's not too much of it, but if you get stuck, that's usually what it is. Oh, there's. Let me just try. The, there's six blocks in the room. Let me try pushing some of them, and one of them will go up, and a door will open, and you go. All right, on we go. Um, I actually got stuck once when I was a kid with that, and I used to write letters. This is before the internet, obviously. Before I had the internet, I used to write letters to this company called the Game Limited in the UK, and I'd write to them and go, "Hi, Game Limited." In Zelda Link to the Past, in this specific room in the Sand Temple, how do you get past the locked door? And they would write me back with, hi, Paul. Uh, you need the, the block on the left, you need to push to the left. The door will then open. Thanks. And there's this one guy I used to write letters to, and I'd write no matter what the game. Aww. I'd write in Banjo-Kazooie, or in, in Ocarina of Time, how do you unfreeze Zora's domain after you beat the Water Temple? All this stuff. And they would, they would always reply. I wish I still had those letters, because they're so funny. And actually, before... I know I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here before we go on. I found in the week, I need to share it with you guys. I'll, I, I'll maybe I'll, I'll put on my Twitter or something. I found in the week after 23 years or maybe 22, a letter that I wrote to Nintendo official magazine about how excited I was for the upcoming Pokemon gold and silver. Release. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely need to share that. I'll share it because I, I uh, the the UK version of that magazine they have all their issues up on archive.org in full. So I said, okay, now I can now I can find it because I knew roughly where it was. Mm. I mean, it's issue one one hundred two, I think it is, with Banjo Tooie on the cover. But I'll, I'll share that image on on the twitters. Anyway, that's what I've been playing. That's the uh, Vidya games for the week. What about music golf here before we wrap up? Uh, I got a couple of albums for you, my albums of the week for the last two weeks. So uh, two weeks ago, it was an album called Around the Fur by Deftones. Mm. Uh, I can't remember why I picked this. I think I, uh, a track of theirs came up and I just added it to my list. Um, kind of a metal band, sort of mid, uh, late, late, late kind of ni- mid to late nineties kind of metal. I think this album was 96 or 97. Um, kind of, I guess, post Nirvana kind of metal, grun- a bit grungy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, got, it's the kind of thing I can imagine being played on like the old XFM, so not like the the no like the nineteen ninety eight, sure, sure. Rick, right? Ricky and Steve doing uh, disgusting jokes XFM, not the kind of Carl Pilkington XFM. Uh, probably Sturgis would have played it on like a, a <laughs> metal metal show or something. Um, I have to say, I listened to the album a couple of times. Uh, it did not grab me at all. I don't think there's a single song on there that I'd go, oh, yeah, I want to listen to that again. Yeah. It, it it was just kind of washed over me completely. I don't know what it was. It wasn't, like, bad, but there was just nothing in there that was kind of catchy or, like, memorable or, like, right. particularly kind of, I don't know, interesting, really. Not the worst album I've listened to this year, but probably maybe the most boring. 
in that I don't really have any opinions. I <laughs> just kind right. of was there. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this band. I, I feel, no, I have for sure. Mm. I feel weirdly aligned with you on that show because I like a lot of bands mm. where the, the fan base are, are kind of adjacent to Deftones. A, mm. a lot of System of Down fans are really right. into Deftones. Um, as you said, kind of grungy, the more grungy alternative bands. A lot mm. of people, well, oh, my second favorite band is Deftones. I could never get into them. I don't know why. <laughs> exactly the same as Joe. Anytime I hear a Deftone song, I go, mm. Mm, yeah, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that Maybe was that. Nice. That was them. Uh, and then the other album this week is a new release uh, from The National, which is uh, a band I do particularly like. I've been to, I think, six or seven of their live live gigs uh, in London, going back many years. Um, their new album is called The First Two Pages of Frankenstein, uh, which I have to say is an awful, wanky title. I really don't like um, <laughs> of all that. I usually, their album's quite kind of cool. Oh, but... sorry. <laughs> I, I've added to the list the album I yeah. listened to. And I, I missed that you wrote it, and I just wrote it the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so we've both listened to the same album. Both listened to the album. Um, I only managed to listen to it through it once i've been slacking a little bit on the album of the week uh, with so okay. many podcasts to listen to but obviously i will listen to it more because i'm going to see them live later in the year um uh, it was good it's, it's a national album it does feature some interesting uh guest appearances uh from taylor swift and phoebe bridges um yeah. i i did enjoy it. it's strange because it's really not my kind of music because it is quite sort of slow and melodic and quite a little bit a bit sad it's kind of sad dad music um but i do just really enjoy the sound that, that, that they do i really enjoy the you know matt the lead singer um yeah i haven't really listened to it enough to kind of have any standout tracks yet but uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a classic album I, I feel like since their early stuff like alligator and boxer yeah you know, I, I i don't know if they've ever really recreated that kind of magic but this is not that the albums are bad but they just haven't found that that same kind of richness or that same kind of, I don't know, energy, but they're, but they, they're kind of solid albums. I don't know. What did, what did you make for Paul? Yeah. I've, well, I've never listened to any national before. Okay. I'm a complete national novice. Mm. Um, so I, I couldn't, maybe I heard on an ad or something, but I couldn't tell you a single national song I'd heard to this point, but I checked it out. Uh, I did find the first few tracks were a little, and I've listened to it a few times through now, a little slow, mm. a little ponderous, a little, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I'm i going to compare it to another band who's I don't really listen to. I don't know any of their songs, but they said they sounded a little bit like what I imagine Mumford and Sons would sound like. Oh, just like, just like, just like, oh. I'm weird. okay. Maybe, maybe that's, that's too, too far. That's uh, a bit too far. To make. But like, Mumford. like I can, the worst like I can imagine it. Find... <laughs> Sorry, go up. So this is, I I don't know what Mumford and Sons actually sound like. I I imagine they're 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 a similar ilk, but I can imagine just wearing a little woolly jumper and smoking a little cigarette. Here's my sad lyrics. I'm so mm. sad. Oh my god! And and it's like, well, will we put any instrumentation in? Well, a little bit, but not enough to be memorable in any way. Now, when it gets to the middle of the album. Oh, wait a minute. Around track four, track five. Ooh, we pick up a little bit. We're fucking mm. got a little, a little, a little dance here, a little bit more. Ooh. And I actually much more enjoyed 
those songs that had a little bit more kick to them. I don't expect the National are going to be uh, breaking out yeah. like uh, Guns N' Roses style guitar solos, <laughs> but the, the slower songs all have a little bit of, I want to say kind of the, the, my least favorite elements of like Coldplay almost to it, where it's a little, a little bit saccharine, a little mm. bit too slow, a little bit too unmemorable. Um, and I think even in the good tracks, there were elements of the best of Coldplay or the best of the Beatles. <laughs> um, and I know nowadays I compare everything to Leonard Cohen, but I felt like there's also a little bit of Leonard Cohen too, which I enjoyed. And I would say overall, I'm, not, I'm, I'm coming to this from a very negative angle, but I actually, I actually enjoyed the album overall. I think it was a strong three stars. Mm, okay. A strong three stars. Um, I'd say it's not the most memorable album I've heard. It would certainly mm. wouldn't be near my favorite of the year, but it's um, perfectly good to, to the point that I would be interested to check out what people consider their better albums. You know, I, it's not that I listened to it. And it was boring, unmemorable, I'm done. No, wh- while listening to it, I enjoy the experience of listening to it. I, I don't know that it'll hold up to re-listens or that individual tracks were getting marked, liked on my Spotify, for example. But I, I, when I listened to the full album, I was like, yeah, that was that, that, that was pretty nice. I would be interested to check out, like you said, Alligator or one of the mm. other ones. I don't know that I'd be paying a lot of money to go see them live um, unless it was cheaper than a hotel. That might be a nice place to get a bit of sleep. Um, but no, but I, I, I'm being unnecessarily harsh. No, I thought, I, thought it, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but I do like their more up-tempo stuff. Dead mm. stars, generally speaking. Yeah, definitely. That's just a personal preference. Oh, yeah. Alrighty. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more of the same. We're going to give you our updates on Wembley, our uh, you know double or nothing takes as that draws close, maybe a backlash follow up as well. Plus more movies, games, albums, and the like. So uh, thank you very much for listening. It's goodbye from me, Barry. It's goodbye from Joe. (laughs) Goodbye. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye.